BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, as always. Uh, today, very special guest, one of the most requested guests. Uh, we get on the podcast, uh, both in the Instagram DMs and the YouTube comments. It is your boy, Buttery Films, Connor Erickson. Uh, yeah, excited for this one. It's uh, it's pretty cool when you get to talk to someone that I guess is a peer in a sense, uh, in terms of someone that's just independent and creating content and uh, doing it on YouTube. Um, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Buttery Films, but if you're not, uh, he is an OG uh, in the film and social media game, uh, and he has a massive YouTube channel. His vlogs are huge, um, a crazy cult following, and just a really, really cool guy. Um, we have known each other since probably like 2012, maybe, so it's like 10 years. Um, yeah, so it was really cool to just to get down, yeah, uh, just just to get to sit down at length and uh, and have a conversation about everything that he's got going on. So I really hope you'll enjoy this one. I definitely did. Uh, probably won't be the last time we do it either. Uh, we are brought to you today by the legends at Manscaped. And fellas, have you started spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung and the global leaders in below the waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GYPSYGANG. Uh, Manscaped has a full package that you need for spring cleaning this year. Their performance package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants. Um, you can use the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Uh, that's the most precise shave that you can get on your hedges. Uh, it's also waterproof as well, so you can do it in the shower and you don't have to worry about a mess. Uh, these guys also have uh, just introduced um some hair care skin care deodorant the whole deal uh so manscaped really is your one-stop shop when it comes to uh to male grooming uh and look we all need it especially dirt bike riders you know we're a stinky stinky mob so um that's it get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code gypsy gang at manscaped.com i'll say it again because the deal is that good 20% off plus free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Trust me. Trust me. Girls, 
they actually care about this stuff. So take my word for it, boys. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au for Australia's largest range of dirt bikes, parts, and accessories. Think is coming up like real quick and so is Manji. um we got some new bike stuff that will be i guess we got content we got content that we got to be dropping around all this um me and sammy will both be riding some uh some pretty cool bikes for for these races uh and mx store is a massive part in getting our bikes ready not only for these big races that we do but just for everyday riding um you know gear shifters brake levers clutch levers all that stuff that you just break on a normal day of riding mx store has you covered um if you order before 2 p.m uh on a weekday you get same day shipping that's pretty much just as good as living in burley and being able to visit their uh their burley heads showroom so mxstore.com.au we're also brought to you by the crew at fist handwear you can head to fisthandwear.com code gypsy gang is also going to get you 15 percent off uh and also we're brought to you as always by the guys at rival inc design co um uh, it'll be weird seeing i think i'm 588 for fink and sam 688 i don't know how we jagged that um but yeah those of you will know that Sammy's number is 88 so i'll be uh i'll be repping sammy uh, of course those numbers and graphics will be getting done through the legends at rival ink design co they'll be printing all our jerseys they'll be taking care of all of the aesthetic uh of this fink and manage up trip they can take care of your aesthetic too if you go to rival ink design co.com uh and lastly but not leastly we are brought to you by the guys at crush oz you can head to crushoz.com.au they are the leaders in bike care products uh they've got everything for either your mountain bike or your motocross bike uh we're actually going to be giving away a bunch of the bike care buckets that we talk about uh on here as well so uh, if you're in desperate need of uh, cleaning your bike in a really legitimate way, uh, head to Crush Oz's website. You can also follow them on Instagram uh, as well and keep your eyes peeled uh, for some giveaways with the legends at Crush. That's it from me for today's advertisements and introductions to this epic episode with Buttery Films. Chapter 211. Can you believe it? Here we are. All right, guys. Enjoy. What a deal, bro. Dude, my bad. It took so long. I just, no, no, uh, no, just pulled good, up right man. now. Good. No, Hell no, yeah. we're good, I'm man. to be here. Dude, uh, yeah, Jacob's sick. living big, huh? Yeah, he's doing it big time. When I pulled up to his house, I'm like, damn, you're doing it like this, dude? We're in a mansion out here in Temecula right now. People wouldn't know that in the studio, but yeah, he's doing it big time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm proud, of, I'm proud of the great man. It's super cool. I'm hyped. I've known him for a long time, so to see where he's come from and to make it here, it's pretty legit. We were just, we were just sort of saying the same thing about you, though, bro. <laughs> we took some different paths, but yeah, I'm a... Uh, I'm super grateful to uh, to be in this position. I didn't think we'd get to this point. I didn't think we'd come this far. So it's pretty legit. I'm stoked for sure. I was just saying. Uh, I was just saying to Jacob, like it's sort of even for me, it feels the same thing. You know, like you end up doing pretty good out of shit, and then you're just like, 
how the fuck did this happen? Like, it just all feels like luck in a way, you know? It's crazy, yeah. It does. It feels super lucky, but, like, if you just put in the hard work and you grind it out and consistent, I mean, you know, I mean, you, you film for a long time, and now look at the position you got. You got to see yourself a massive podcast. You got so many listeners on this deal, so... I mean, you've, you've grinded yourself. You know what it takes to get here. Yeah, it's just a weird feeling though, right? Because you just sort of just like one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And then like, it's, I don't know, it's just like a yep. weird deal how it just sort of all ends up like catching up. Yeah, you just take steps. It's like, it's nothing overnight, just little baby steps here and there. And then it gradually comes. And one day you look around, and you're like, damn, we really did this. And like everything, you take a step back and look at everything. You're like, wow, this is crazy. This is where I wanted to be. And we finally made it here, but like, you can't settle. You just, you got to keep going further and make new goals and take this thing as far as you can. Yeah, dude, no, hundred percent. Well, I'm stoked to, uh, I'm stoked to be doing this one. This is a very highly requested guest. The <laughs> buttery fans have been in full force in the DMS for like, honestly years dude like the whole time i've been doing this podcast yeah people have been like you gotta get buttery on you gotta get buttery on and i uh is it right to say that you would have been filming in about 2010 would you have been doing buttery stuff back then yeah yeah i'd say like 09 is when i did the first deal with like back in the day and then 2010 is like when the buttery thing really started popping so it's been a long time yeah because i the first time I went to America. I landed the Thursday before Parla 2010, the final round. And yeah. uh, I went straight from LAX to Parla Press Day. And I'm pretty sure that would have been about the first time that I heard of you doing your thing. And uh, yep. and so, yeah, I mean, it's that's, fuck, 12 years ago now. Crazy how time flies on. And then we ended up, we linked up for a bit because you came out to Encinitas and we had a couple of buddies out there. And I, I remember meeting you. I think that's the time like Keisha had come over or something as well. Yeah, yeah. It was around that time. And then you and I kind of shot the shit there for a minute and you were working with uh, Brent Campanelli, rookie at the time. Yes. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was that long ago. It was like you, me, and rookie. We were, like, we were chilling beachside and I was like picking your brain. Cause I was trying to do the film thing full force and like, I already knew that you'd, you know, you were the staple in the game as far as that. So I was picking your brain about some shit and uh, I think you just started maybe doing one of the dream rides. Yeah. 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 We, we just, uh, yeah, we were sort of just doing the whole like JDR thing. Like when I think about it now, dude, we did a web series before a web series was a, a thing really like with For jdr sure. we did like the whole coming to america thing i mean you watch it back now it's not like it was that good but it's like i was filming on like five d's and doing the whole you know like trying to do the the whole film deal yeah. back then and yeah it, it's fucking crazy to think man hey eh? it's wild yeah you were definitely on the forefront of all that and we were filming like before instagram and stuff like that because everyone's like oh instagram film i was like dude we were we were cranking videos way before Instagram, hoping like Vermoto would pick them up or Transworld at the time, Racer X, whoever it might be. So that's crazy to see how far it's come. Dude, yeah. So let's go back to the the like the start for you. Um, when was the or like when did just Moto enter your life? Like, what does that Moto picture look like? So I got my first dirt bike when I was 16 years old for, for my birthday. And uh, my pops got me into moto and I loved it. Wasn't able to ride track for a long time. He said it was too dangerous. So I was just like a desert dude 
would go out there, camp with the family, just ride around. And like, as soon as I got on a dirt bike, I was like, dude, I truly enjoy this. Like, this is so much damn fun. This is what I want to do with my life. But had to play team sports all up the way through high school. And then I did football through high school and I always had a bike. And then, uh, I ended up losing that thing. It just blew up old 250. And all my homies were pro moto dudes. And I'm like, dude, I got to ride. Like I got to ride, but I couldn't afford a bike at the time. I thought the closest thing to get into action would be a filmer because you're right there with them. You're making cool videos. You get to hang out with all the dudes and everything. But I just, as soon as I threw a leg over the bike for the first time, I had such a passion for it. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Dude, that's so sick. And so, so you said 16 that you got that bike? Um, So... I dropped out of high school when I was 15 years old. I worked for a grading contractor. It was one of my buddies. I moved in with his, with him, and then my boss owned the house, so I lived there. And uh, we lived on a little ranch where we had 30 horses, so I used to buck hay to pay my rent for a living, and then I would go to work every day. And uh, I just I couldn't make enough money at the time to buy a bike straight up, so he had a dirt bike, and he fronted me a Kawasaki 450. And I got that probably when I was 19 and I would just take money out of my paycheck every month and just cut him a check to try to pay that thing back. And like, that's how it all started. Dude, that's crazy. So were you into moto though, before, like before your dad got you that first bike that blew up? Like, was it a long thing or it was something that you found kind of late? Dude, as long as I can remember. Even looking at your 96 Anaheim T, that would have been a little too far back. I would only been two at the time, but dude, as long as I w- I've been going to Supercross my whole life. Got my first bike, like I said, when I was six. And the first Supercross I ever went to is probably five or six years old. I'm like, this is the coolest thing on the planet. Like, there's nothing cooler than dirt bikes. So I've been a fan. I've been hooked ever since. Like, that's, that's all I ever enjoyed watching. And I just, I thought it'd be so cool to be down there and be one of those dudes and be close to the sport and, so I've always been a fan. Dude, that, that's super cool, man. There's something to be said for, I guess, like the hunger that you can generate internally when you love something so much, but you can't ride. Because so we yeah. kind of had a similar deal. So like my dad grew up racing and my dad was a pretty good racer here in Australia. And then I got a bike when I was like a kid, like four years old, did that whole deal. And then I had a gnarly crash and I actually like put the handlebars through my stomach as a kid and then like ripped all no my way. internals. Like, yeah, like crazy shit. So then my mom was like, Holy fuck shit. this, you ain't doing that anymore. And then I was just, I, it never left me. Like I was just obsessed with dirt bikes my entire life. And then it wasn't until uh, I like got a job and I started, I got a job at like 13 and bought my own bike. So then mom couldn't say that I couldn't do it. But yeah, like yeah. I, I just feel like that carried me through my whole life, you know, like wanting something so bad for so long and just spending your whole childhood just idolizing and like just dreaming <laughs> about having a bike and then you finally get it. So I just feel like it's probably a sim- similar thing for you, you know, like it just carried that froth through your entire life. Like being deprived of a bike for those years is probably what like led to buttery in a sense, you know, because you've just frothed it so exactly. Hard. Yeah. Just like you said, I mean, dude, I was literally obsessed for this stuff. I was so passionate and I was going to do whatever it took and it, it took longer than expected. So like, even though I've been riding for a long time now, I've only been taking it serious for seven years. So it's still fresh to mm-hmm. me. Like I still enjoy it every day. I'm not burnt out. Like 
I wasn't doing motos, grinding motos because I had to. Anytime I ride dirt bikes is because I want to. That's what I want to do. So like it's still so fresh to me and like it feels new every day. And I, I could say as long as I'm walking and I'm capable of riding, I'm going to do this my whole life. It's it's too damn fun. Yeah, dude. No, that's so cool. It, it, is, it sucks so much in the moment when you're a kid and you are seeing all these like I used to just make friends with dudes that had dirt bikes like that was the only criteria oh you got a dirt bike fuck let's be homies yeah, and it was boys. like yeah. you go to the dude you go to the track and you just like watch your friends ride like that's how much I fucking love dirt bikes you know <laughs> I don't know what it is like have you thought about what that feeling is that can make a kid so fucking obsessed with a dirt bike I, I kind of got some ideas but it'd be cool to hear your thoughts on it I mean, dude, it's just, it's an adrenaline rush the whole time you're doing it. And it's the only time when you're truly just, it's you and the dirt bike, you know, and the things that you're able to do and, and your mind kind of wanders off and you're just kind of, everything goes out the window. It's just like, I'm here to ride this dirt bike, hit this jump, hit this corner. It's just uh, it's a way of, I think, self-connecting, at least for me, my mind kind of goes crazy all the time. Just thinking about new ideas or stuff I want to do, or I'd like to achieve. So when you're on the bike, it's just that moment you're living so in the moment you're not thinking of the past and you're not thinking of the future you're just enjoying just that you're able to ride and and really like the adrenaline rush is insane i love it yeah i mean I, yeah i think the exact same thing like the there's just a certain level at which like the rest of the world kind of fades away you know and then yeah to like be in that present moment is uh it's just such like a rare thing in life and uh and then i think that on the level of a kid like i don't know whether uh it stuck with me different bit when i was just like really young because it's like there's just no way you can be more free than when you're a four-year-old kid and then your dad just puts an explosion between your legs with the throttle and then is like just go manage this explosion by yourself and it's like when you're a kid i just you're so dependent on everybody else you're so dependent on your parents you just you have to get taken everywhere you have to get like everything has to get done for you and i just think for for me like when i was a kid to be given something where it's like okay this is on you this is all your responsibility you know like you can now take yourself around the track like this is just completely your own deal i feel like that probably has something to do with it as well and and maybe it's like even if you're a kid and you don't have that feeling that's sort of what it looks like when you watch those guys out there it's like you can sort of see there's a certain sense of like freedom in it and then you fast forward to like crusty demons and you start seeing like dudes in the dunes fucking sending (laughs) it and it's just like whoa that's possible crazy huh that's what i grew up on so i was probably like around six seven years old when crusty demons first came out and my my pops took me down to the local store we got that vhs slid that thing in when i seen the first clip i'm like dude this is the coolest thing ever these dudes they're riding sending it huge there's they're jumping over fires there's chicks everywhere it just looks like the coolest the the lifestyle that came with riding on top of already being able to ride a dirt bike and just have fun with it then this lifestyle comes with it I was like hooked right away. Obviously your mind, you're so young and you're absorbing everything. But like right away for me, I was like, dude, this is it. Krusty, this is the (laughs) shit right here. Like this is the life I want to live. And I used to sing the songs in my head, like the soundtrack when I was on a BMX bike, like that one, he's like, you're going to ragdoll. And I would like, 
end up going over the bars or something. <laughs> yeah, but I always yeah. thought that was so funny. Oh, dude, the uh, the I don't know whether it was I can't remember whether it was in a Krusty's. I think uh, I think the Nitro Circus stuff probably had like the biggest soundtrack influence on me. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. maybe it was in Krusty too. But you remember that Garana Ape song, "Open Your Eyes." Yep. Yes, Dude, exactly. That to me is still like all time <laughs> top ten. And then like Grinspoon, yeah. so you want to be a champion? Like then I found out that they were like an Aussie band. I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's so cool. I bring some of those back sometimes, like on some older Instagram edits and stuff. I bring a couple of those back, like if we're doing some free ride stuff or something that kind of resembles crusty or that vibe. And I know this new age and new wave of kids it's probably their first time hearing it, you know? So they're like, oh, yeah. you know, that looked cool in that moto edit. But for us, we're like, you should have seen how much cooler it was back then. Yeah, dude. And when you're like first, first here, like this shit does, doesn't exist. Like they're cr- literally creating a vibe out of the ether. Yeah. No, dude, I awesome, think uh, the soundtrack, the writing, everything. It, like they, they just did a good job putting that. They were so they were on the forefront of that stuff, and it was just like no one had ever seen anything like that before, and to that full scale and that writing, and it was just uh, it was crazy. They really opened the doors for I'd say free writing and making videos even possible in moto. Dude, I just like my content brain now. I'm just like fuck. We almost need to like remake some shit. Like, I mean, they can make Transformers 150 times. Like, why can't we remake, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, our childhood shit. It would be cool as hell, especially some of those old spots, like out in Beaumont and Retchie. Like, you could go back to those spots, find them, maybe get an old school camera, like a VX or something, and kind of bring back that yeah. same vibe and, and film it that way and even use some of the soundtracks as well and just recreate it just, you know, 20 years later and show how iconic that those spots are still there and like it influenced moto that heavily oh man definitely and then you know like there's still all those guys are around you know it's it's not like uh it's not like those guys still aren't ripping and riding like deegan still throws down fucking twitch still throws down link ogle still throws down like there'd be so many people that i'm sure you could get out there and like just make some crazy old segments They'd love to. They'd love to get back in the mix. I took. I went up to Beaumont like two or three years ago with Deegan and Hill, and Deegan said it was his first time out there since they had filmed with Krusty's back in the day. And uh, we went around. We tried to look for that little diving board one that he tried to drop off on, but uh, he he enjoyed it. He's like, dude, I grew up on this stuff. It's cool that you guys are still out here doing this because he even recognized some of the spots and it brought him back. You could tell he was reliving some uh, some Krusty moments there for sure. So when you when you first uh, started filming, uh, were you like that was the big influence? Is just like it was a way for you to just get in the scene. Like you knew you weren't going to be a pro rider. Like you were late to the game in that sense. So the filming thing, like that, you saw that as like your lane. Did you did you have any experience filming? Like were your parents doing the camcorder thing when you were a kid? Like how did that like that side of it start? My pops always like kind of logged everything in a sense and was always filming me ride my bicycle or ride my dirt bike and I would like show off for video, do a little bar turn, but uh, they weren't really doing anything serious like that. I just, Verb Moto had just dropped and Ryan Walters and Wes Williams at the time, they were a huge influence. I was like, dude, it just looks so cool to make videos 
Cause it's like, it's an art and you get to do it exactly how you want it. You can shoot with the riders you want to shoot with. And, uh, I knew I couldn't afford a bike. So I just saved up and bought a camera. I was like, this is as close as I can be to the action. And it's a way for me to pave my own kind of way and make videos for dudes. It was cool. Cause that's right. When a transition public tracks were letting people come out with cameras. So I would walk up to all yeah, the pros right. and be like, yo, can I do a video for you? And they would just be hyped to have something for their Instagram or whatever. And I ended up uh, being able to network pretty quickly and meet a lot of these dudes that I looked up to for so long. Now I'm doing videos of them and they're texting me asking me if I can come back out and do another one for them. So I was like, I was so passionate. I was like, damn, this video thing's sweet. I'm going to, I'm going to take this as far as I can. That it was a little, uh, like hotbed that scene, huh? And, and if I'm honest, like the verb thing was what inspired me to film it. Like I remember I was working for a magazine in Australia, like a written magazine. And, um, then verb was just killing it. And I was just spending so much time, like watching as soon as we got the internet, cause I got the internet pretty late. Like I was probably like 15 when I got the internet. Um, no and way. then I would, yeah, which is a trip to think about. And, uh, and I remember like, uh, just downloading, um, off like LimeWire, all the old like Transworld edits. Like I remember Transworld videos of, like Stu at the test track with like burner on a two stroke and hitting quads and yeah. like we'd pretty much just get on LimeWire and just like motocross every single day to just like try and get some motocross shit. But then the next step from that was like when Verb Moto come out. And I was like, holy fuck, this is like insane. And I remember I wanted to quit the magazine that I was working for. And I was just like, I'm just going to start the Verb Moto of Australia. And uh, and I just like ended up buying a, I ended up buying a camera on a credit card and a tripod. I actually still have the tripod today. No way. And then that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, that was the start of it. And it came from that same vibe, dude, like the, like Wes and, and, uh, and Walters. And then it took like two years. And then I, that's when I ended up kind of getting over to, to parlor um, for that that last round but that was like the same influence man they they fucking made shit look so cool dude they made it look so fun and it was the amateur scene was big then too so like the kids were having a lot of fun it kind of seemed like it took the pressures away they wanted to be involved in the videos the edits were cool the soundtracks are cool the the vibe the whole presence they brought to the pits and just the race in general they made it look super fun and I was like, damn, I, I could create something like this, capture a moment as well, and just document all my homies having fun riding their dirt bikes. And I, I feel like I'm a piece of it too because doing the film and edit part of it, and it just uh, felt like it really brought the homies close together. But yeah, Verb, all those dudes back then too because like I was no one, and I put a video out, and they would pick it up and put the link on. So like mm. until someone kind of put you on, you were basically undiscovered at that point. So anytime those dudes put your link up you were like hyped you're like hell yeah now we're getting some traction starting to get your name out there so they they definitely help help me get my name and pave the way uh and then i guess like you kind of just took advantage of the whole like socal thing too because socal has its own vibe completely and it's like there's a oh man like the the whole southern california thing so documented in racing you know it's like don't fall into the like the trap of southern california and it almost like you were yeah. documenting that deal like you could fall into that trap because like you weren't the serious kind of racer dude so it's almost like 
you were the guy that like really shine the light on almost like the cliche socal scene in a way yeah exactly we made it look we showed the fun part of it the fun side that you got to go to the track just throw whips throw high fives with your homies not at the training not the tms yelling at you or whatever the case the (laughs) testing days all that we just made it look as cool and as sweet as possible and uh it was just it was we're very fortunate like to be in socal because all the riders are here the best tracks are here the riders are here so you're able to network and connect so quickly it's just uh this spot i took advantage of it i realized what we had and dude i'd be at the track every day every day paula was open i'd be there and i'd just be cranking out edits and i'd rush home crank out all the edits as many dudes as i could and then just text them off and get like five or six posts a night from each rider so i was able to build my name pretty quickly like when instagram had hit so it was it was uh, and it was still it was cool to be able it was still it was still 15 seconds then too right yeah yeah 15 because it was photo forever so like i would do youtube videos and vimeo videos for the dudes on the back end and then i would just do photos for them as well for i think for the first like what two or three years was photo only so i was photo guy i was still buttery films that i would just post photos and then as soon as that day instagram hit with a notification like yo you can post videos now 15 seconds (laughs) dude you try to cram so many clips in there the video would look longer than it was you try to get like you know, 15 clips out of it, just a clip a second and just jam it up with the, the coolest new beat or the coolest new rap song and just shoot that thing out. And it was like, you know, we're, we're the first ones on the Instagram wave. Yeah. Which is crazy to think of now. It's wild. It's wild. Now there's a bunch of filmers out there and everyone does a good job. Like some of these dudes have surpassed, you know, tenfold what I could do with the camera and edits. And as far as all that, and the creativity it's it's crazy and people have reds you know that that's you know i would never have thought of that now that's just standard you can go some kid his dad might have bought him a red and he's right there getting edits at you so like at, at our time and especially like jacob over here at jacob we were like the first dudes really doing that with 60 d's and yeah. stuff so it was cool because there was no one else. it wasn't as saturated so they had to come to us technically at the time to get a video unless you were going to go pay someone or have a company do it for you so who was the first i guess like the first guys that you filmed that helped get like the buttery thing going dude i film with so many legit dudes right off the gate but like i think uh dean and i shot a lot dean wilson and i shot a lot he was the first dude to actually send me a text and reach out and be like yo i like your stuff can we link up he told me what tracks you'd go to. I come out, he signed me jerseys and just give me jerseys in return and pump my stuff. And then, uh, I filmed a lot with Jason Anderson as well. When, right when he got his deal there, dude, I filmed with so many dudes. I was even like when Izzy was around Stroop, I did a bunch of yeah, stuff with Stroop yeah. and he was right there at VMS at the end. So there was a, there was a lot of dudes and I would just hit up as many people as I could and try to network and just become friends with them and be like, yo, you want to shoot today? And they were always super hyped to do videos, shoot me song ideas or whatever. And we get certain angles when they were done doing their motos. It was cool. It was a super cool experience. I'm glad, glad I was able to live through it all. There's uh, there's something to be said though. Like all this sounds like well and good and it all sounds super easy, but I think that um, there's something to be said about, I guess, like the personality type that it requires to have those guys like wanting to text you. 
because there's a million people that you know like would offer their services to film dean wilson or nico izzy but there's like a certain personality type that has to kind of like fit with their vibe and i mean the 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 metric of this for me is like the fact that hansen is cool with you like that probably says like everything that needs to be said because i don't know many people that are more classically cool than josh hansen like he's the most fucking i love that dude like he's such a g and he's just one of those guys like he's never gonna hang out with a person he doesn't like he's never gonna be you know in that he's never gonna put himself in a situation where like he's not pumped to to be there so i think that you know when someone like you is just like around a guy like that it's sort of like speaks about your personality in a sense so i think that you know while all this is like right place right time i also think there's a big element of the right person that can kind of just like fit in with that vibe isn't being a clout chaser isn't kind of you know like muddying up the waters with like weirdness if that makes sense yeah yeah no i hear you for sure that dude's classic if people really knew like how funny of a dude that is (laughs) like he don't really like posting on social or nothing i think he's over he he was there. He did his time. He had everything he needed to. <laughs> yeah. He did it all. But uh, if I could just document some of the stuff that dude says, he's so fucking funny. His his classic. He's off the wall. He's one of one of the more fun dudes to hang around. And he tells you how it is too. Like if you don't want to hang with someone, he'll tell you straight up. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think we just it was a homey vibe. You know, we just made it fun for people. Everything in this sport is so serious. You know, as it should be. They're getting paid a lot of money. People expect things out of you. But it's it's at what point can you have fun with it? So when we show up with the camera and we were boys, we'd be like, just make it fun for the day. They're like, cool. After, you know, after we do our motos today, we get to mess around, throw some whips and just have fun with it and show our creativity and our skill on the bike. Cause they never get to do that. They can't just go throw whips, you know, for fun. So I think it was just a, a change of pace, just relax and everyone could just have fun and shoot some, shoot the shit and tell some jokes and have their feet kicked back. So it was super fun. Just a very laxed vibe with it. Just, we just had fun. Yeah. And so when did the, I guess, did you always have it in your mind from the jump? Like, okay, I could be something in the industry or I could like make this a full-time gig. Like when, when did that sort of wheel start turning in your mind? I knew there was always something available there just because we'd built the name up and we had all the connections and we were doing videos so quickly, but I wasn't making any money on it. So I I knew I could make a name for myself, but I just wasn't sure what was going to put, you know, the bread on the table and connect everything to get paid for it. So I'd reach out and get an occasional paid gig from uh, Don Maeda at Transworld or something like that. But I, at the end I was like, dude, I don't know if this is going to work out for me. Like, enough to make bread just filming videos and doing stuff like that because I didn't do production stuff really we just more the edits and just for fun and uh I didn't know if the the video thing was gonna work and uh so then I started doing construction and I did construction as a grading operator and I, I truly enjoyed it I can run pretty much any piece of equipment and uh I thought I was gonna do that for the rest of my life I thought it was gonna be sweet I was super down for it and then uh I got drunk at Vegas after party one year. I think it was like 2017. And my boss said, yeah. don't come to work hungover. So I got fired. So now I'm like, shit, I just lost my gig. I just lost my whole career. I got nothing to do. So I was like, I better do something. My homie suggested selling merch. I'm like, dude, no one's going to buy my shit. There's no way. 
And so we just did a quick run of a hundred tees and sure as shit, they sold out. And that's when I was like, damn, I guess we've made enough name for ourselves where we can put some money in the bank and make this thing legit and try to make a run at it. Damn, dude, that's so cool. It's crazy to, it was always crazy to me that you never felt pressured to like step up the the production stuff because like you could for sure do it like i I don't i don't see why like you you just never made the jump and i I never understood whether that was like a thing that you did on purpose where you're like i just want to stay on brand or it was like a lack of confidence that you had in yourself and like your ability to do it but i mean i definitely don't see a reason why you couldn't have you like made that jump obviously it fucking worked out like it's not (laughs) not criticizing your career path but yeah like from the outside i was like fuck man like i I never got why that that wasn't like a logical step for you i think it was a little bit i was just stoked on not having pressure like having to you know provide Mm. for someone whether they want something specific and i was a little lacking on my confidence like I was just, I was so young. I was probably 16 at the time and I didn't want a brand breathing down my neck telling me like how to do it or deadlines or timelines. And I was just, I kind of undersold myself. I was like, I don't know if I could pull this off for sure. And then, uh, my first paid gig that I remember was actually Volcom. I went to Beaumont with Darren Durham and Sean Borkenhagen and this dude, they paid me at Volcom. It was $117, I think to go film at Beaumont for the day. Volcom ended up falling out of moto, but, uh, it, it so I was like shit I guess this really wasn't for me the first time I tried to do a real paid deal here so I just had fun with it and I just made do with you know working construction whatever else I had to do and just it was it was more fun I didn't want to I wouldn't necessarily turn it into a job but I just I enjoyed it so much that I mm. wasn't looking too far in the money side and like being production and all that and, and did you feel like uh like, when did the buttery thing start to feel like, uh, I guess, because I mean, for me, right, like, I was always filming and doing my thing, and I always, like, really enjoyed just, like, the conversations that I'd have with people. I really enjoyed, like, the interviews that I'd do with guys. Like, I think maybe people don't, I mean, they wouldn't understand, but, like, when, when we did all, like, the Red Bull gigs and all that sort of stuff, like, I was, like, really into doing the interviews. So like we'd sit down and we'd have the writer and there'd be like three cameras on him and the lights and all that stuff. And I had like my notepad and I was like super detailed. And then my interview style then was like real conversational. Like I'd ask the question, then I'd let him answer. And then I'd just like drill like down into it, you know, but I never, I never thought, even though I love podcasts, I listen to podcasts flat out. I never saw myself doing it. it. I was so used to deleting my voice from these interviews and not having like any front at all uh that it just like never came to my mind and it wasn't like even this podcast wasn't my idea you know like it was jeremy from red bull and uh so like when did you start to think like oh i could be in this like i could be like a legitimate character because that's a it's like a weird bridge to cross right yeah for sure i'm And I didn't, when we grew up, I didn't really do any, too many interviews with these dudes. Like if they weren't riding and they weren't on the course on the bike, like I didn't, I always had the camera down and I just thought it was strictly moto, just film track, moto, that whole deal. Then I got my bike and I started doing Instagram videos, popping wheelies, just trying to be creative because I'm not the fastest dude. So it was like more so could we go ride somewhere creative, do something creative. 
And then people really caught an eye to that and wanted to watch it. And I was like, damn, all right. So people kind of, you know, like enjoy watching me ride a dirt bike. And then everyone's like, yo, you got to do YouTube. And I was so anti YouTube because I thought in my mind, being a vlogger and some of the people you see, it seems cringy Yeah. and they're always like yeah. a little over the top and seems like they're going all out. So I was so anti YouTube, I'm like, bro, there's no way I'm going to do that. And then one day we just uh, started filming, like, I'll try it, you know? So we filmed it, little vlog. We did the first one and everyone was so hyped on it. It was more of the feedback that I got from people. I couldn't yeah. believe how big the support was and they were stoked on it. So I was like, damn, all right, I can start being in front of the camera too. And like, do my own deal and it's really them being supportive and telling me like yo this is something we enjoy watching you should do this for me to do that dude that's sick yeah because it's such a uh, yeah it's such a weird deal and i don't know whether it's like just in our industry or in or if it's like the same in all industries but like i felt like a fucking kook doing the podcast (laughs) it was like dude yeah i was i hated it for like the longest time it's cool though i mean but look at it now like imagine the mindset you had before you started it and before jeremy and your boys told you you should do this and like look at where you're at now it sometimes it takes a little push from your homies or the people to go outside your comfort zone, start something like this, and then look at what it's created into. It's pretty crazy. And your mindset changes as you get older and like you look yeah. at things differently. Stuff that was cool or not cool then is vice versa now. Like every you're just always ever changing and I mean it's cool what you've ended up doing. I'm like, dude, look at this. I'm on a pod I thought I'd never even be on a podcast. Now here I'm shooting the <laughs> shit with you and we're doing this shit together. So it's pretty crazy two dudes that filmed other dudes are now on film and they're watching us so who would have thought dude yeah never never me bro it's crazy too like even jacob said before like he because he's obviously known you for so long and he's like man you go to a supercross and the dude's got more fans than the fucking riders like it's just i mean it speaks to the power of the internet too like just how crazy the fucking internet is that's what i tell everyone i'm like yo the internet is insane you create a fan and they want to follow you and, and you produce content for them and show them that you truly do appreciate their support and they'll support you tenfold on the back end. So like if riders could take the time and do that to create these relations, they'd have the same thing, but they're getting paid to race, ride and produce results. So they're not able to do that. So I think that's cool for us. You know, we're just riders just like they are at the end of the day. There's only 40 dudes who can qualify. I'm not one of them. I'm sure half the yeah. kids I'm meeting aren't one of them either, but they know that and we know that and we just enjoy riding. So I think it's super cool just to connect and bring it together. They just enjoy that you give them the, the time and throw them a high five and say what up. Was the um, was was there a bit to get over at the start in terms of like that, um, I guess like that doubt you have about like being on camera and kind of doing the whole deal and, and like, I think it's sort of telling what you said, you know, like you didn't want to be a YouTuber cause there is like such a, I guess like a, a connotation around that kind of stuff. Like, was it kind of gnarly to, to get over it in the beginning? I mean, at first we just like, we did it in our way and we made it like in our eyes as mm. least cringy as possible. We focused more around the moto and the dirt bikes and just threw in aspects of our day, like driving to the track, driving home. We made it more like we're literally vlogging. I'm video logging each day that I do. 
So hmm. once we got the first one out of the way and saw the feedback, I was like, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And it was easier to start because we'd already had supportive people. Like I probably had, I don't know, 130, maybe 200 K on Instagram when I did my first YouTube. Yeah. Okay. So I, I knew people already kind of supported us just as riders and just people in general. So I was like, yeah, if we do this YouTube thing and just give them a little more, you know, insight on our life and a piece of our life, maybe they'll enjoy it. Maybe they won't. But at first it, it was a slow roll. And now, dude, I push YouTube so hard. Like YouTube's mm -hmm. everything, man. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy platform. Uh, just the power of it to reach, you know, like with that algorithm, you know, like just to kind of be able to reach the kind of people that you can and I, I don't know that people dude youtube has changed in moto a lot in the last two years like since i mean not saying we were the ones that kind of did it but it's like i think we've had a fairly big impact on like the way people post on youtube in terms of like the media side of things these days but I, I don't think people understood in like especially like the dirt bike media landscape like the power of that youtube algorithm and if you play the game in the right way the way that like your shit can just like blow up and i mean it took me like a couple years to kind of figure out exactly how to make the podcast thing work for youtube but fuck once you do dude yeah. like it's crazy man like we have like a million people a month that watch our shit isn't that crazy it's wild and that's that's what's so cool about youtube is Instagram, your brain's kind of trained to tap, scroll to onto the next thing. It's everything is refreshing quickly. Same with TikTok. Yeah. That it's everyone's attention, their spans going down and down for how long they can stick. YouTube, they're locked in. You know, people sit down, they watch this video, they watch any of your other ones, they're locked in. So once you take advantage of YouTube and you create a following on there, dude, it's limitless what you can do and it's uh, it's crazy, and it the older dudes, the older generations, it's new for them to figure out because social media wasn't around. So you tell them, you know, yo, we pull this amount of numbers on YouTube, you know, could you send us some free gear or something to them? They're like, what? Yeah. That makes no sense because they they want race results, they want to see people there. And then I think uh, you know, you're doing YouTube, I'm doing it. The Deegans push theirs pretty well. There's a bunch of dudes doing vlogging now. Craig pushes his. Like it's starting to mm -hmm. open the doors for sponsors the industry and people seeing like the demographic and how many people you can hit and how many new audience like people never yes. ridden dirt bikes they watch you they think your stuff's cool and now they're like yo i'm gonna go get a dirt bike i want to try this they make it seem so fun why can't me and my homies go have some fun and do it so yeah the internet man is crazy it's super wild the the thing too man and i don't know whether like a bunch of people that are even in the game like understand this but it's a positive sum game. So the more people that are doing it, the better it is. So any, like, it's kind of a, I guess, like, magazines. Like, if you go back to magazine days, like, that's almost like a zero-sum game, you know? So there's, like, there's a certain percentage of people that are buying magazines, and then you've got 10 magazines that are competing for, like, that slice of a fairly fixed pie. So it sort of makes sense to like not like this person or not, you know, try and like really compete to take that market share. Whereas with YouTube, it's like it's a positive sum game in the sense that like a rising tide kind of floats all boats. So like the more people like every dude that comes on and vlogs, 
like a you know a Christian Craig, a Bam TV, you got a Gypsy Tales, you got a Buttery, like everyone that's like adding to it, the pie actually gets bigger because that YouTube algorithm is just like sending more content out to people that are liking the same sort of stuff. So it's uh it's sort of crazy in that sense that it, it seems like it's one of the first kind of things uh in the industry that has become I guess a way for like everyone to grow at the same time as opposed to everyone kind of taking from each other if that makes sense for sure and you're spot on with that I mean it's great it doesn't become oversaturated it's just bringing more viewers more viewers like you said and now on YouTube there's like a motocross category under suggested so like you know before it'd probably be soccer football baseball more mainstream people think moto is huge and but in all all aspects it's not as big as we'd like it to be but stuff like this is helping the sport grow it's getting more eyes on the sport more eyes on the riders the industry and it's just the more people that you know are putting out content like you said it's only helping all of us grow at the same time it's never too oversaturated everyone's gonna follow their fans you know the craigs the barshas gypsies like you said and it's uh it's helping us all at the end of the day so when you see dudes pushing social media it gets me hyped because social media it's not going anywhere it's only going to get bigger so if you guys are taking your job serious pushing content makes me want to thrive to do my job too and keep pushing this shit when did you um well i guess like i'm i'm assuming that you take the business side of it pretty seriously uh just because you've made such a great business out of it when does like that mindset almost switch because for me it's like I'm studying our YouTube analytics. Um, I not so much Instagram, but like when it comes to like YouTube and TikTok, we're trying to do like a bunch of shit on TikTok now. It's like I yeah. find it so rad to get into the the nuts and bolts of the you know like the business side of things. And I'm like reaching out. Like Weege just started his YouTube channel. I'm like texting him like, hey man, if you need any help, like let me know. Because uh, it's a it's a pretty dope world to kind of like dive into and understand you know, like the algorithm, understand the analytics. And is that something that you're like pretty into? And when did that like switch kind of take place? I mean, as far as insights, like I've been watching insights forever. Like when Instagram first started popping, I just, dude, I grind insights. I'd see like what people liked, what they didn't like. If this one hit, if that one hit, whether it was the writing, the music, the style, the way we did it. And I watch numbers all day. Like, dude, my whole life's a numbers game. Still on Instagram, yeah. watch it. YouTube, especially analytics. Like, if you can figure out YouTube, man, that's the way of the world. But uh, yeah, I just, I really grind out and just see what people enjoy and look at the analytics yeah. and all that and uh, try to treat it more like a business. I just had fun with it. You know, I still do enjoy it. It's not a job to me, it's always fun. But now that I'm getting older and I'm like, shit, I don't know if I've got a plan B if I can make something yeah. out of this, let's, let's turn the switch and go business now and like try to make some money while we can. So I'd say like within, I'd probably say last year, been a year now that I've like treated it more like a business and I'm like, all right, let's grind this out a video every week. We can't miss like, let's do something cool. Watch the analytics. See how receptive people are to it, but it's still uh it's still fun. It's not really a job. It's just, we just enjoy it. Yeah, the it, you say like a numbers game, like it, it is sort of a game in a sense, you know, like you kind of, uh, you're creating this 
content, you try new things, you try new thumbnails, new titles, new, you know, tags, like what time are you posting and, you know, like audience retention. And then there's so many other creators that you can look up to. Like it actually is a super fun and rewarding gig when you can, I guess, like have some kind of success on there and, you know, like really figure, figure it out. And I think that there's, there's also something pretty dope about like learning, uh, I guess like learning the habits or like the, the viewing habit. I don't know how you'd say it, but like to kind of learn what people yeah. like is a pretty cool thing, right? It's cool as hell. It's super cool. And then it makes you want to drive to create content that they're going to enjoy more so that you can go out and do that. So you keep their attention higher because they're the ones supporting you. So like whatever they're more intrigued on, that's what you should go do and provide for them because they're giving back to you 100. So yeah, it's crazy. Everything's based on retention and and everything's numbers. It sucks when you think you do a cool video. You're like, oh, I'm so hyped on this yeah. video. And then it doesn't go hard or vice versa. You put out one that's like, oh, this video is all right. And then it ends up going. But YouTube, especially like you said, titles and thumbnails are everything. It's, it's crazy. The content's half of the battle too. That's how you create your fan. But getting massive numbers is just strictly thumbnails and titles. And like that could that's your make or break right there. Dude, you're, you are a wizard at that shit. Like, I, I was watching... Uh, I, I don't watch, like, a lot of buttery content. And not out of not liking buttery content. I just don't watch much content. Like, if I'm yeah. watching shit, it's, like, either super fucking nerdy, like, uh, like neuroscience consciousness kind of bullshit, or I'm watching jiu-jitsu, <laughs> or that, that's kind of it. So, but... I went and on a full buttery binge, like since we started saying that we're going to do this, I'm like, righto, I need to catch up on like a bunch of shit. You're a fucking wizard at the title and the <laughs> thumbnail game. And I wonder how, cause yours are so like underproduced. Like there's no, there's no like cliche YouTube, uh, thumbnail kind of action going on. And the titles are super like there's no buttery films in your titles a lot of times it's just like i mean you put like your vlog number or whatever um, yeah, yeah. but yeah it's like i i wondered how you kind of come up with that like was that was it always how you did it like you always just kind of underproduced thumbnail and then just like a real simple title and that always worked or was that something that you kind of like got on eventually like you figured out that's what worked I just never wanted to clickbait it because a lot of YouTubers are known for clickbait and people give people a hard time for that. <laughs> and that's because they make money for that shit. I mean, they don't, people don't realize like you're bringing in more of you on the back end. It looks bad because you're clickbaiting, but like, so whatever, we don't really go out of our way to do YouTube ideas, which a lot of YouTubers do. We literally just video log our day and whatever happens, happens. But luckily there's so, there's so much stuff going on all the time. We're able to get <laughs> yeah. a cool, like we ride dirt bikes in the house. Cause like, I really do be riding dirt bikes in my house. And so when yeah. you see that on YouTube, it looks crazy. You're like, yo, what this dude's riding in his house. I'm going to click on this. So luckily now, like I try to do at least something cool or something more unique out of the, every yeah. time. So I know I like, I'm like, yo, I could legit use this thumbnail and use this title and we're not clickbaiting this or lying about nothing. Like this really did happen. Yeah, that it's uh the clickbait thing's hard, man. Like uh, my first video that popped is still the biggest video that we've done, and it was the Pastrana thumbnail where he's like, 
It was like, when I look back at it now, I'm like, oh, that's a work of fucking art, bro. <laughs> it's like the one time you've ever seen Pastrana look angry. And then you've got like the, the photo of like Deegan looking back, like in his like cunty vibes. And then you've got uh, the title that said like Brian Deegan was a real sellout. And that thing's damn near at a million views. But like, Isn't man, I tried to... I tried to play the, like, I don't want to clickbait. I don't want to do the YouTube thing. But, like, for our format, like, it just does, like, it didn't work. Like, there was no other way to get traction for just, like, sitting at a desk and having a head talking than, like, doing that. And now it's, like, I try and walk the, like, I try and walk the line because, I mean, I, I, like, am genuinely friends with everyone that comes on the podcast. Like, there's no one that comes on the podcast where I'm not like a real fan of them. And I'm like humbly a fan of those people, you know, and like openly a fan. So it's like, it's hard sometimes to walk that line between like clickbaiting something, uh, and, and not because it's like, you just know that you won't get views. But I think like recently, especially people are kind of, or like the guests, I guess get it like they see okay it's like getting a few views you know so it's like sort of just how the game works but I mean I'm definitely careful never to take people's words like differently but context is everything like all I'm doing with titles and thumbnails is like I'm taking something they said and just using it out of context in a in a way where it's like it's exactly what they said but if you watch the video you'll understand the context that that it's in uh But yeah, it's like that, that whole world to, you know, to not be able or to not have to do that clickbaity sort of stuff is crazy to go viral the way that you do on, on YouTube. Yeah, it's crazy. Yours are perfect though. Cause every time you say it, you take, you know, out of, on, on the context, they said this and then it's literally quote unquote somewhere in that, you know, 12 minute segment, they really did say that. So it's not too clickbaity. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's, they really said what you put it as the title and it's going to pull in views and it helps you. It helps the athlete that you just had the exactly. interview with. It, it helps everyone. So like there's always going to be someone negative trying to say something rather, but as long as you're getting views and you're getting more eyes on it, it's helping all of us together. So like YouTube's just, it, it's that way. That's just, that's the way of the world. YouTube's always going to be like that. And if you got to pull views and put something a little spicy as the thumbnail in the title, so be it. But you pulled views and people enjoyed, they'll end up enjoy watching it and realize it wasn't clickbait. And they're, then you start developing a fan. Now they're going to watch more of the gypsy ones and want to get dive deeper into this section. And, and really uh, that's when you create a, that cult following. And then they end up watching your videos, no matter what you put the title or thumbnail, they just know that the shit you put out is cool. So they can't wait to see the next one. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the, I guess that's like kind of the goal with it. And that's like definitely where you have taken it to, to where like people are going to just click. I think you're at like 300 plus thousand subs and it's like those people are going to watch your videos. Like your, your subs and views deal is like so fucking tight and there's not, I don't think there's a lot of creators that have like that level of engagement on their videos. Yeah, super fortunate. So I built like the fan base too. They're like a cult, but when I say cult, cult in a good way, they know that you provide, you've been so consistent with it. We've done so many and they kind of expect what they're going to see and they know they're going to watch that thing no matter what. Obviously there have some that have gone viral because of the thumbnails and the titles. Mm -hmm. But like I said, that really did happen in there. 
but then you start getting the the audience that isn't your fan and that's when you see negative comments from people yeah. but your diehards they always support you man they're they're just stoked to see another video and stoked to see that you're putting out content every week and like they're gonna watch it man and that makes me that keeps me motivated because like one week i'll be like damn did we get enough like did we get enough for everyone or should we go get more so i mean i want to go out and because i know so many people are kind of depending on me or like they really enjoy watching it so i'm like gets me motivated to go out and film more content better content and to provide for them keeps me stoked dude so i i definitely think like when i went and watched everything kind of or like i watched so many videos like back to back over the last couple weeks like uh and i actually think that you've done a crazy job of almost like flying under the radar in terms of creativity so like you've kind of kept this like really low expectation of like production quality (laughs) in a sense (laughs) where it's like no one expects like everyone almost would think that you're not trying in a sense with like the videos in terms of like the production and shit like that and it's so like you know it'll be iphone it'll be like low res sort of stuff sometimes and but then it's like so that that takes this expectation off your shoulders in a way but there's some like legit storytelling and like editing and the it's almost like uh you've almost got a real knack for like skits in a sense and <laughs> i think that it kind of like it kind of flies under the radar under the radar like i was watching the um the medium uh medium gets a new dirt bike or medium finally gets his own dirt bike and there's a bit yeah. where he's he's late and then uh you you're like in the car like eating your chick-fil-a and you're like counting down the minutes and stuff like that and it's just like the angle super creative there's like some legit storytelling going on there and it's like funny and you guys are both in character but it again it's just like from the zoomed out and not analyzing it that deeply it just looks so fucking natural so i think that i actually think that you're super underrated for the the storytelling (laughs) and the character building and so i don't know like your take on that no that's cool dude thank you i appreciate you noticing stuff like that we just uh it's if it's more organic i just film on my phone it's super quick easy i'm not trying to like i said that's why i never went production as far as video guy i guess i'm just not production guy and i just i'm able to pull my phone out him and i just have a quick conversation we don't really have to put on too much for the camera just emphasize a little bit act like you're having fun and that's really what's going on at that time in that scenario and it just i think it feels organic to viewers i'm speaking a lot of the time so i think it feels like they're there with us they're there chilling. They could be one of the boys. They could be there riding. But uh, anytime I pull the phone out, I'm always trying to think of like, yo, could I get like, could I hit a one-liner? Could I say something creative mm. or something funny right here to grab people's attention to always keep them hooked? So I just try to have fun with it. And, and it seems like it worked for us. And it's cool because since the production's not so high, I don't have to put out like these mad edits or make it seem like a movie or something. Because like, you know, there's, I watch like Nelk boys. And if you've seen them, like everything they do is like a movie now. So they've set the tone for that. So if they do anything less now, it seems like they didn't try as hard or that video wasn't as good, but our format, like I I just do the same thing every time. And it seems to be working. And 
it's just it, it really is so natural and organic and we just have fun with it and they seem to be receptive of it so I'm glad it's worked out in our favor well I think like there must be something I guess like I guess it's just your style that's been developed over so much time but like I said for me for not like I'm not regularly watching but then when I go and watch it in a massive block and I watch it all like there is some legitimate storytelling and and but it's like small it's like a it's not you're not like you said making a movie but it seems like every section of the video that you've got going on they're kind of like there actually is some really good editing and some really <laughs> legit storytelling that's going on that's what it is it's just from sun up to sundown and that's how our day played and then sometimes an episode will end and then people are wanting the next one and the next episode will start with the answer what you thought was going to happen in the next episode there's so there's always something like we got a new bike or this bike broke what's going to happen next time it's a it's a continuous story it's just it's our life day to day year to year and then when you look back to see how far you've come and how far you've grown it's pretty crazy because other youtubers they go out and create ideas to have these viral yeah. massive videos which good for them because yeah. they pull mad views from it and they got so much return ours is just filming our life day by day play by play and it's in chronological order so like you can watch the growth as writers as personality as people and you can really see from day to day each each thing that goes on and it is like one long ass story and we're writing a book and uh we're not looking at the the end of it yet we're gonna write this thing as long as we can and, and so uh there's there's some times in there too uh the cool one was the gordon keck video where you just went to la uh, and you did that that jump that thing fucking blew up that's like one point something million um, yeah, yeah but you can actually for me like coming from the production sort of world in a sense I can actually see like some really good direction there's like a bit where you're kind of like you're pointing guys around I'm like fuck he's really he there really is some like director style shit that's that's going down there and it I think it just sort of comes naturally to you and there there is guys that i've worked with where they are just like natural kind of directors in a sense so i don't know if you've like yeah. kind of ever thought of yourself in that light or you think about it in that way now so yeah i've just done so many videos now and i i know what i would like to see and i know what the people would like to see so like i'll position my homies in a certain manner or tell them that we should do it this way and i do give them direction i am kind of a director and i'd like to see it a certain way i'll shoot it a certain way and I think that's just, uh, we're so consistent with it. And I, I film so much during the week when I do like a 20 to 30 minute vlog, there's normally about two to three hours of footage and it gets cut down yeah. to 30 minutes, just like cutting all the fluff out. So like, I'm just so used to it and I know what everyone wants to see that it, I, I, I don't really boss them around, but I tell my homies, like, I'm like, yo, we should do it like yeah. this, like that. It's going to be beneficial for us. They go with the fly. They're just stoked to be there ride dirt bikes and just hang out you know they don't they see the big scheme of what it is but they don't see the full big picture they're just there and if i was like yo go jump this jump we'll go do this shit they're like all right yeah cool we'll do it we trust you because like i've kind of instilled that in them they, they trust the direction we're going because they see it and they're just uh, enthused to be there so sometimes i'm like director guy for sure yeah yeah i mean it comes across have you thought about uh i guess like probably a bigger conversation about like your future in general but i don't know like has that 
ever crossed your mind like maybe stepping out and taking on a project that is of like a more i guess like cinematics deal or more that i don't know more in that lane and kind of like pushing that side of you like maybe it's not for your brand like maybe it's for somebody else and it's like you kind of take that the vision and you take like those skills and you know get a team and kind of do something that's more in that lane like flex that muscle a little bit because like you said it maybe it doesn't fit in your content but it's like there's a muscle there that you know that can be flexed yeah i i actually have never thought of going that direction now you bringing it up i wouldn't be opposed to it i'm for sure like be down to try anything maybe consult for someone or show them you mm. know we do things in a certain manner i think your brand could look well or you can make a cool video this is all the knowledge and power I have. This is what I think and watching the way everything unfolds. I've never actually thought about going that way at all. I've just always thought about like taking this thing as, as far as we can. And the biggest thing is building the brand. Ever since mm. I started, the merch was just for fun and merch just is, uh, keeps the money flowing just so we're able to do this. But now I want to create like a legitimate brand with buttery mm. and say, you never even knew who I was or what we did. You just thought the artwork was cool or the the image that we've created was cool or the concept. You could just go buy that thing, you know, online. You're like, damn, I want a piece of that just to, just because you back what's going on. So I'm really pushing the brand to try to make it as big as we can and less merchy, more like a legit yeah. brand that you would look at and think is cool. Dude, yeah, you've 100% got that. Like that's right there at your fingertips. And uh, that that'll just be a matter of like, you just drilling down on that in the same way that you drilled down on on like the video stuff i actually put out um i put out a thing on my youtube and just said like if buttery did the podcast what would you want to know and uh so many people said five one year five year ten year plan it was like a a very (laughs) uh frequent comment because i think like yeah i think i mean you're just in such a cool position because there's almost like this no expectation because of the way that you've shot your content it's like ah this is just the dude that's fucking riding with the homies and the iphone filmer and so it's like you just fly so heavy under the radar but everybody that knows you or is like a legitimate fan and like watches your shit they know that there's a crazy high ceiling so i think that's probably where that where that question uh comes from is that there's there's an element of people like wonder or i guess maybe knowing that you've got so much more in the tank than what you're what than what you're doing right now even though what you're doing right now is fucking insanely legit (laughs) that's cool that people think there's a longevity in it because if they're thinking that that's you know that's what i believe too i think you know the internet could go forever we could do this as as long as we're having fun with it and turning the gears i don't think it's ever gonna stop so it's cool that people see that because i've I plan on going to the top with this thing. I think the biggest thing would just be if we had more money and to budget, do like maybe some crazy YouTube videos, buy Teslas, jump them in LA on purpose. Cause we thought that shit was cool or whatever. Connect with different influencers or people with a falling or a stature just to grow moto and teach dudes how to ride or just go link up with them and see how they do it. And then, like I said, just pushing the brand to make the brand legit and, make sure uh, I just the balls in my court right now and I'm in a very special special position and I'm so grateful for mm. it and I, I can't believe it's it's worked out the way it has so I don't want to mess it up so I just kind of just uh, I take it day by day and just have fun with it and always think yo this thing uh, 
there's, there's something here. We should take this thing serious and take it as far as we can. And as far as content riding, I'd always like to, be, I'd like to be a better rider. You know, I enjoy riding. Mm. I'm, I'm not the best rider by any means, but I just have fun with it and try to work on my craft and improve my skill every day and just become a better, safer rider in general. And I'm, that's sure medium boy wants to do the same thing. We're just, we're, we're truly having fun progressing videos, riding, and then just with the fans, I, I can't believe it's this big, but the fans back us. So we back them. So I'll do this. I'll be a YouTuber for 10 years if they want me to, I don't want to do it for 10 years, but if they want me to, I'll do this shit for 10 years. <laughs> That's so sick. So what, what do you see? Like, uh, so obviously, yeah, you've got like the, the merch side of things, um, going now and you want to like kind of push that bigger, but have you, do you spend much time thinking about like the future and like say five years, sort of 10 years? I really don't. I, I, I should more so just to prepare myself, better pre- prepare myself. Cause you never know what could happen. The biggest thing I do now is just try to be smart with the money I have and invest it in the right way. But I, I live so day to day and I just, mm. all I ever think about is like maybe a week in advance, like what video could we do or what could we do? That'll be cool that people will like. When, now that you asked the question, I mean, I just see myself doing exactly what I'm doing five years from now, just on a bigger scale, maybe like yeah. m- just more people watching. We just, we have more bikes. We have maybe a bigger team of homies. Like we're all just coming up together. We're just still being organic, but doing what we're doing just in, in a bigger fashion, in a bigger scale. But as far as so like looking the- for in the future, I don't think, I think we could do this for five, 10 years. Oh yeah, definitely, dude. Yeah, I mean, fuck, bro. I think that I think that you've definitely got a maybe a bigger future than even you see for yourself. And there's like a there is a balance to be had there, though. You know, like I think that living in the moment and just like concentrating on like the shit that's right in front of you right now, like that's a huge thing that people get wrong. Like so many people kind of like live in the future too much, in the sense that you know they're they're like. Uh, I guess because it can get you down in a way like if you're not where you want to be because in reality like you just are where you are and the thing that's going to get you to whatever future you're dreaming of is right here in the moment so I think there's a lot of people that kind of like fumble the ball a little bit in that sense Um, but yeah I mean I don't know like maybe you've actually got (laughs) got a bigger future than you even think of and it could like happen happen quicker than you think you know That'd be cool, man. Like I said, it's, it's all day to day and it's just being consistent and realizing, like you said, everything just right now, you know, I'm living in the moment where on this podcast, someone new is going to watch this. You give me the opportunity. Maybe I created a new fan. You just, you live in each moment and you take advantage of exactly what you have and make the best of each day and the best of each opportunity. And, uh, obviously you want to always set yourself up and think in the future and like what your end goal is. But as long as you're having fun, enjoying it, and you stay motivated and consistent, that's what people, they're like, yo, how'd you YouTube or whatever the case? I'm like, dude, nothing's overnight. Nothing cool is overnight. If it was mm. that cool, once you reached it, it wouldn't even, what would it, it wouldn't feel that cool. You earned it in one night. Like everything that's, that's worthwhile takes time and consistency and just grind it out. And just, uh, then when you earn it and you get there, it's super rewarding, but you just set a new goal and try to reach new goals you never stop if you're not ever evolving and recreating yourself and 
the things that you'd like to do or see yourself, you'll get stagged and get stuck. So we just, uh, we're going all the way to the top with this if we can. And if I have a cool future, like if everything got taken away from me, yeah, I'd be bummed cause it's all right here. And I would only get taken away if I let it, but I could go back mm. to, you know, working construction and just chilling with my boys again. Yeah. But I think we got something special. So, and we're going to take advantage of that and take it all the way. So what's the, I guess, like, what's the business of Buttery like now? Like, who's the crew that you got kind of working? Like, how's, like, whose roles what? So it's me and Medium Boy. That's, for people that don't know, that's my best homie. I've been with him for 12 or 13 years now. He was my neighbor. So when I dropped out of school, he was homeschooled, and we just rode 110s together every day. And uh, everyone thought we were brothers in the beginning and we claimed it before we were big we claimed we were brothers just because we rolled so tight but now everyone's kind of got it figured out so him and I we're boys I mean dude I see that dude every day we ride every day we're always just hanging out going to the beach doing whatever and then uh, a couple of my high school homies they live with me they ride with me as well when they can when they're not working because uh, I hired them at shop buttery so I got a warehouse manager over there I got my other homies picking and packing orders and uh, just trying to keep keep my homies employed and do something that they like and something they don't want to do. And then we all kind of come up together, but I have so many homies and in so many different ways, but it's kind of my day ones that have stuck with me. And, uh, we're the ones that hang out the most and, and, uh, just, uh, really enjoy spending time with each other. We haven't, I don't think we've ever changed. We're always going to be homies forever. So it's been cool. That must be a crazy feeling to have something that's like, I guess strong enough to be able to employ a couple of your best friends and keep those guys in a job. But you're also, you know, it's, it's all like this positive momentum kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got the momentum and I'm just uh, fortunate that I'm able to do that for these dudes. You know, they've always had my back, always have theirs. I'm, I'm sure we'll be homies for life. So it's uh it's cool. And I'm in a fortunate place that we're all able to come up together and uh, do this and create strong friendships and and good times that we could last a lifetime man if we do it right we could all do this forever so yeah no dude i i completely agree yeah i think the uh i think the yeah like there's definitely some kind of lanes that you could tap into with like the director sort of stuff like i mean dude o'neill like that'd be crazy not to get like buttery to do like direct their team launch or something you know what i mean like you'd probably have to fuck just get jacob you know like get jacob to be like director of photography like you could fully structure it like a you know your like music video style shit you know because there's there's so many dudes like uh I, i think that our world we got a lot of parallels with the music world where it's like because essentially when you're dropping like a, a a moto edit you're making a music video it's like it's writing sure. to music so it's like if you can direct that kind of clip then you you can direct a, a music video kind of deal in a sense so it's like i think that you know for you if it's like you're, you're not wanting to run the reds and the drones and the fucking gimbals and all the shit then it's like, okay, then you need to outsource that to another dude. So it's like you link up with like Jacob and then it's like produced by or directed by Buttery and then you've got like, all right, I want the camera here. Like this is the vibe I want to go for. This is it. You do like all the pre-pro and then they kind of like 
get everything dialed that you need for the shoot and then you're just there with the fucking headset with the clapboard you know like being being director buttery but i really think that you could create some like fucking cool shit in in that kind of lane and there's, there'd be some companies man that are that would work with you on it like o'neill for sure like you know they've supported you yeah, for, yeah. for a long supportive. time yeah it's cool i mean dude i never even thought about that you're opening me open my eyes to a whole new deal that i would have never even thought about but i could definitely see myself doing that i have a vision for stuff that i think's cool and and uh as far as the writing side stuff that i would like to see and maybe other writers and other people would like to see that necessarily maybe i can't pull off because i'm not the best writer the gnarliest dude that's kind of what i had like with uh when gordon was coming around and some other homies there's good ass writers and they're ballsy so you know they're gonna send it so we'll go line something up like, oh, I got this jump for you. We should line this up. And uh, I did a lot of that with Hill, too. Josh Hill and I filmed for years. Yeah. When I lived out in Temecula, I lived with Hill. And uh, we'd always kind of brainstorm and go back and forth and juggle ideas of some cool dirt bike stuff. And I'd, I'd show him something like, yo, what do you think about this thing? Like, if we, you should hit it this way, I'll film it this way. And he'd be like, hell yeah, let's try that. And we kind of, we gelled well, we meshed well because we filmed so long with each other and I, I knew what he wanted to see and he knew how I was going to shoot it. And, uh, so it kind of did, I, mean, I guess when you put it like that, I didn't really feel like I was a director cause I was just having fun. But like when you piece it like that, like, yeah, we've really directed some stuff and put it together. So if we sat down and had a concept with O'Neill or whoever the case a brand that wanted to see something cool, I'm sure we could put something together and create something really cool that people would enjoy watching. Dude, I mean, uh, 100%. And I mean, like, you know, to, to get, I, I guess, uh, some legit tools in the toolbox as well. I just think that, um, yeah, like there'd be some pretty dope, like, I guess, vision that, that would come from, you know, g- giving you access to like a new set of tools in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I've never really worked with production style stuff. I've, I've held a red one time. I shot on it one time. I never really got to see the footage that I shot, but uh, that was it. I'm, dude, it's so iPhone-based. Like I have a DSLRs, but I pull them out once a year if someone wants me to. I haven't even held a camera yeah. in so long. I know I'm still able to do it, and I could learn it, but uh, yeah. it's so foreign to me now. I, I wouldn't even know what I'm doing anymore, so it would be kind of cool. Yeah, like you said, get Jacob on it or get him to fucking dial it in because he's the man now. It's crazy to see that how far this thing's <laughs> come. This is sweet. I'm super stoked for him. And, uh, yeah, if we had a concept, dude, I'd, I'd get him on it and we'd, we'd knock that thing out of the park. Dude, I completely agree. So Pat hit him up O'Neill. Let's get it going. Um, it's, it's, uh, there's definitely, there definitely is a, I guess, I don't know whether it's a pressure. I mean, for me, like I, I just bought a red again and like, I've, I've got some like production stuff that, you know i sort of want to get like we're about to do this europe trip and um i just i guess maybe it's just me like i've always really enjoyed the production side of things and i guess doing the the bigger more creative production shit but there's so much stuff that we just don't put out because it's just not up to scratch and there's a it, it is a trap that that people can fall into when you are um i guess trying to like just keep upping the quality because the you like youtube just in general is crazy now with like the level 
um, of legitimate filmmaking that is on that platform. Like I actually sent Ronan some links last night of uh, this dude, Nathan Drew. I don't know if you've ever seen um, any of his stuff. Not familiar. Um, uh uh-huh. God damn, like his, like the level of production that he's doing with like just the titles and the graphics and the voiceover and the music and the, like the way it's filmed and edited, like, God damn, there's some guys that just kill it on, on the platform. So, I mean, I think the, for you to build the kind of base and the channel that you've built with just zero of that pressure is just like, that's a crazy blessing. Yeah, I'm super fortunate because like you said, dude, there's there's filmmakers, like legit filmmakers on YouTube now. People got reds, the best editing. I mean, dude, you got helicopter shoots that were so crazy back in the day. Now Monster could pull that any day and get a helicopter out there like it's nothing. Like the scale to see how massive it's gotten to and the production and the budgets that people pull for some of this stuff's insane. And I've I've never had that at my disposal or at my fingertips. I've, I hadn't had any of that. So uh it'd be crazy to really get, maybe get the big guns out and get some money and try to do something like that. It's the last cool project I did was, uh, I did this one with Josh Hill. It was called urban rider and we, he went in the water park. Yeah. So I just yeah, had, yeah, I had yeah. my little DSLR and then I had, I had medium boy on B roll on his back end too. And, uh, I just, I shot it very natural and just, we knocked that thing out of the park and it was pretty cool. That was like, that was pretty much no budget and nothing just went there and just the man hours and, got everything prepared. We did more in preparation so he could do the loop and like get the park set up. And then once everything was set up, he, he's so good at riding, he can basically get it first try. So we knocked that out and that was for monster. So that was the last, last biggest thing I did was for monster for the, the urban rider. I think that thing's got three or 4 million now. So pretty cool to see your work on like a production side like that. Oh yeah, dude. At the end, like dollar for dollar, you know, like bang for buck, what you're getting for, you know, like three or 4 million views on YouTube with like the AdSense when you compare that to like the budget that you've put in. I mean, it's a, it's a better business model. <laughs> yeah. Right. Crazy. Yeah. YouTube is uh, um, the way, man. So who do you have like a, uh, influences that you like who are your influences when it comes to like content and platform creation like you mentioned Nelk Boys before um I guess yeah yeah, who are your influences Nelk kills it you know he does a good job and they got that Steve will do it guy he's always doing some crazy stuff with his giveaways and his planes I like watching uh that Danny Duncan dude he does pretty well too I don't know if people are familiar with him he's always doing something crazy I kind of just watch, uh, I'm not like a huge fan of each person, but I just watch what they're doing and maybe take a piece of it and see if something we could incorporate in our videos or just try to understand why these dudes are doing so successful and how they've built this following and gotten to where they are. So I kind of just go on YouTube and watch a little bit of everyone and uh, just take pieces of everything and try to incorporate. I watch a lot of skating. Like I think skateboarding super cool on youtube that's like my favorite shit for sure is watching skate edits who's who's the kind of people that you watch in that world dude i'm always i i always switch up like obviously nigel's cool i'm cool with nigel hang out with him when i get the chance here and there he's super busy he kills it but uh just more street skaters like i grew up with this kid named rowan zarilla and he's on vans now so any of the thrasher stuff more like 
they're kind of organic and raw and skating has stayed that way every once in a while you mm. see these massive productions but it's more like raw just going out in the streets banging out clips with your filmer and just getting it done so i kind of watch like uh i don't know more street skater dudes that maybe aren't on the mainstream of things that you wouldn't see and just watch how these dudes grind out their their spots and it gets me inspiration to go maybe grind out and edit like the biggest thing now is like street moto street like mm. i drive around and we look for street spots and i'm like damn it's almost got like a skate kind of vibe to it and uh we could go hit that thing on a dirt bike right now we should go hit that thing real quick are you uh are you excited for the upcoming e-bike revolution like have you have you uh you got plans to get an e-bike or an alter or stock or because i feel like that's really gonna yeah, open I'm some shit down. up for you I'm super down. That's that's going to be a controversial subject. Everyone's on the e-bike, dude. People don't understand. I don't think e-bike, I could be wrong. This is my opinion. I don't think it's going to take over motorsports. There's been e-motorsports yeah. for a year. There's Formula E. It's just a new avenue where you're able to go ride and maybe access some stuff that you weren't able to before. Everyone's like, yo, you can't hear the motor, this, that, and the other. Like, Dude, I had an Ulta. That thing was so sick. I ended up getting mine taken away. I rode on some mountain bike trails and made them like a pretty legit video and a bunch of mountain bikers <laughs> typed into them complaining and they ended up snagging mine back. But I see Hill oh, pushing the really? Stark thing pretty hard. So like as soon as Stark hits the States, dude, I'm going to be the, try to be the first dude to get on one of those, especially for the, like I said, the, the urban side of things like going to street spots, people get triggered by noise. So if they don't hear yeah. you, when you're, even if you're hitting a jump, that's 40 feet, a hundred feet flying through the air they don't hear you they don't they just look past you and just keep walking so i think uh electric bikes are going to open up a huge avenue for people to ride out of their backyards maybe even warehouses there might even be like tracks inside warehouses or something in industrial areas because they're quiet you know there's no carbon going in the air it's a it's just a clean just like they have electric go-karts and stuff yeah dude i can't believe no one in like the temecula area has started an indoor 50 place for like the e50s that ktm do like can you imagine doing like after school care where you'd basically like the parents come it's like the soccer mums but instead of taking their kid to soccer they take their kid to the little e-moto track and there's like a full little stadium supercross sort of deal inside a inside a uh, a warehouse man that's so many places where you could do that in temecula it'd be huge and there's lights you know it's a safe environment you can any time of the day like you said after school whatever the case I mean, dude, you might be onto something. You might, you and I might go in on a warehouse and be the first dude to capitalize on this because that could be some yeah, shit right there. It's just something for the kids to do. And uh, like it's warehouse, dude, it's cool. The lights are always on. It's always protected. Don't really rain out here, but you know, it's a controlled environment. You could kick the AC on or whatever the case and something for the parents to kick their feet up, have some couches and chill out and not have to be at the track taking just mad dust all day and getting sunbaked. It's uh something brand new for them yeah and i mean you run like like i go to jiu-jitsu every day right so it's like i i got my class timetable and then it's like from four to from four to five there's like the nine to eleven kids class and then from five to six there's the 12 to 16 kids class and then there's all the adults classes it's like 
Dude, the, you need a moto class. You have like some guy out there coaching. Medium boy is coaching these kids how to ride. Seems as he has flawless technique. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so it's like I could just see that being such a legit business. And imagine how many kids would be like, "I ain't going to fucking gymnastics. Like I'm going to moto. Like take me to yeah, moto class for sure. For sure. Like it could be so big or like an out outside PE for your kid, like in middle school or something, just transitioning. It gives them something to do. Cause there's like out here in California, we have surf PE at, at the coastal yep, high schools yep. and the middle schools. And like, I always tried to push heavy for like a moto PE when I went to public school and we, we wrote up our little proposal the best we could. I'm sure it wasn't that sweet at the time, but it seemed <laughs> cool. Had the parents over, oversee it, but it ended up going through, but yeah, we need more kids on dirt bikes. That's the biggest thing. The all these sports are so accessible. Ball sports, it's easy. It doesn't cost as much, but they're accessible. If moto is as accessible as it can be, it's only going to grow the sport just substantially and make it as big as it can. Because it's not even peak yet, dude. It it, it seems massive yeah. when you're a fan when you're in there and there's forty thousand people watching. It's cool as hell to see it's that big. But if you were to see TV ratings and see it compared to any given sports game. I mean, dude, we're not even scratching yet. So it's just there's so much oh, more man. room for growth. Dude, yeah, 100%. And, like, imagine if you got a place where kids can go uh, and they don't even have to own their own dirt bike. So, like, part of the deal is you just rock up. All you have to do is bring your gear bag. And there's just already, there's, like, a bunch of those KTM e-bikes. So it's, like, just no barriers to entry. Because that's really the barrier to entry is, like, the cash, you know? Like, there'd be so many kids out there that'd be, like, you and me were, man. Like, we were kids that were watching Supercross and watching DVDs. And especially, think about the kids that watched, like, Hayden, Deegan. There'd be a massive massive percentage of of their following where the kids just like can't afford dirt bikes or their parents like they're kind of hayden deegan is almost like pop culture to a lot of kids you know like where they support they support him and they're into him but they don't actively participate in the sport so i mean imagine if you just remove those barriers to entry and there's just like a little 50 moto park we're giving away free game Dude, right that's now. Huge. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. We're getting too many ideas here. But yeah, I get YouTube comments like that all the time. There's people like, this looks so cool. I'd like to do this. But dude, I straight up can't afford a dirt bike. And it's insane now with the prices of everything, like inflation, everything. Like, dude, dirt bikes, that's a huge commitment. That's not something you just go pick up, just, you know, and have that kind of cash just laying around extra. Like, you're committed at that point, And it's, super hard for someone to if they're not in a financial position to grab a dirt bike if their parents can't help them or whatever the case they're not in the in the position so it, it'd be so cool just uh yeah that's crazy we're on to some shit right now <laughs> yeah we should we should do it uh does that feel cool <laughs> on your end that you've like given bikes away to people that's the coolest thing ever that's the reason i do it i i strictly i take a chunk out we buy the bikes I, was, I still don't get any hookups on bikes, so we're doing a 250 giveaway on my next merch shop here. Brand new 2022 250. I put a Yoshimura full system on it. It's got graphics and everything. And I do it totally at random. And the first dude that ever won one was like, he had a lot of money and he already had bikes. And I was like, well, shit, you want it, whatever. But now I go at random and I go and look on the back of their social end. And like the last kid I hit, I gave away a Cowie 250. 
he had a 1996 YZ125, I believe, and him and his dad were trying to build Duh. as a project, but they didn't have all the money and they couldn't get the parts. So, like, when we went and surprised him, because I called his dad, I'm like, yo, your kid bought a hoodie. I'm going to give him a dirt bike. And he was so ecstatic. I'm like, don't tell him. We'll just pull up and we'll pop the garage and that thing will be right there. And I just, I, I it's such a cool, cool feeling that I'm able to do that for someone because I, you know, I remember when I couldn't afford one for myself and now I'm able to buy it for other people because they've supported us. So it just, it's a cool feeling to be able to give back to them and uh, hopefully cheat. they're, they're, they're going to have fun on that thing and become better riders and hopefully it makes an impact on their life and they could pay it forward to the next person and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, that must be a crazy feeling, especially coming from the background that you come from, you know, like there's a certain level at which you'd never be able to take something like that for granted. Um, and I mean, I, I know that you could imagine someone giving you a dirt bike when you were desperate to own one and uh like what that would have felt like so i think that yeah there's just a i guess like a different level that you can appreciate something like that yeah and i think that's it you know it, it took me a lot of hard work and i i really earned being in that position and and buying my first bike so i know what it takes and i know that feeling like you said if someone were to give me that opportunity dude i would have went crazy lost at a free dirt bike i'm able to go ride finally now make videos with my buddies and do it so it's uh, I feel super blessed and fortunate that I'm able to do that for someone else because I would have never thought we'd be in this position. And now that I'm here, I want to take advantage and be able to help someone out. Have you have you seen that kid that you gave that bike to since like riding and stuff? Yeah. So it had been probably a full year. He was up in a, he was upstate in Henderson, Nevada, and it had been a full year. And I went to Lake Havasu two weeks ago for a works race and he was out there and it was his first race ever. So I watched really? him race his bike. He, yeah, he got graphics on it. He had O'Neill gear. He was all suited up. His name's Jacob Brown. Super nice kid. Super nice family. He's like, yo, dude, I've been practicing all year, and uh, I'm trying to become a better rider. And he went out there, and he ended up racing. He did okay in his class, too. And it, when he got off, he was just so stoked. You could see the smile on his face. I'm like, damn, dude, that's, that's pretty cool that he's using this bike to his advantage. And he's able to race and it's something for the family to do. They, they drove out there, they camped. So now it's, it's a whole deal in the aspect of their families coming together because dirt bikes brings people together. So I had no idea yeah. he was going to be there and I seen him. I'm like, no way, dude, you're racing. That's badass, man. That's fucking legit, man. I mean, there's just like not that many people that, you know, are in a position to just like give somebody that level of froth, man. Like that's such a fucking life changing thing to <laughs> to have happen, man. Like it's pretty rad. Yeah. I'm super, like I said, super fortunate. I can't even believe we're, we're at the level we are, but, uh, I just, to be able to give back and see someone smile and have fun riding dirt bikes that, that signed, sealed and delivered for me, man. I was hyped to super hyped to see that that's sick so when it comes to like your riding uh that's one thing i think is cool as well because i mean i'm i'm definitely in like the exact same position i'm not the best dirt bike rider but i try and i like getting better at it um has it been i guess a, a cool project in your mind
mind to just like always be like progressing and trying to get better and i mean you probably don't give yourself enough credit man like there's stuff that you do on a dirt bike that i will fucking never do like you ain't ever <laughs> seeing me jump a road gap or a fucking train track or anything like that so i mean you definitely got you've definitely got some sandy vibes going on <laughs> hell yeah dude thank you i'm every day like it's, it's just progression to get as good as we can and uh just to be able to have good flowy i think biggest coolest thing is just having flowy style not looking like you're trying too hard and just form and technique and just look like you're having fun out there and uh like i said progressing we're we're decent riders you know we can jump the jumps and go do you know some stuff that most people might not do but when you're out here in California and you ride with these top amateurs and these yeah. pro dudes, then you compare yourself in one lap. You're like, holy shit, dude, I'm so far off from these dudes. But I know that's that's out of reach for me. I'm never going to be a professional. But I would like just for a goal of myself, why not be the best rider that I can? So I'm always focusing on technique. You know, I'll ask my homies, ask Hanson for some tips, ask Hill for some stuff. And that's helped me a lot is riding with other riders that are better than me. You watch what they do. They kind of give you some tips and insights. You hit a corner. You watch a slow-mo video. Watch how your style and form was and just try to pick pick apart and analyze yourself. And you're like, yo, how could I be a better rider and hit this faster? So it's cool because every time we go to the track, we're already having fun because we're riding and ripping. We get to do videos. And then I, I really do try to progress myself. So when you get little little things here and little things there and you feel yourself like getting to that next level, it's a cool-ass feeling to be like skilled on a dirt bike and know what the bike's going to do, how it's going to react and how to maneuver or set yourself up in a position. Super. Fun. What's the, what's the stuff that you're like working on within your riding at the moment? Dude, the biggest thing is like staying on the balls, of your feet. I know people always say that, but if you yeah. get stuck flat footed, like you don't ever want to be flat footed. Like so just always being aware that you're trying to stay on your toes the whole time and it just being safe too. having good form and technique keeps you safe. Like luckily we don't really crash that often. Um, if you're just riding, having fun, you, you can stay relatively safe. It's when you start pushing yeah. and going to that next level. That's why racers get hurt because they're riding on the fine line, pushing themselves as riders and pushing the bike. So it's a good way to get hurt, but just focusing on getting the toes, getting the elbows up, just making sure everything looks good and we're, we're keeping our composure because like it's easy to do on for a lap or two then when you start getting tired and your body starts getting tired yeah. and you're breathing everything starts falling down you see your your form starts going away so just always trying to technique and form and and using the bike to your advantage and as best as you can letting the bike work for you letting that suspension work uh i think that the you've definitely got a I guess an ace in the hole in the fact that you're always being filmed because I think that that's probably the way that you get better at riding the quickest is when you can actually like really see what you're doing and then go out and make a, a change and actually see exactly what that kind of change does. Has that been something that's been massive for like improving? It's huge, huge as far as critiquing yourself because you think you look or feel a certain way then you yeah. come back and see on the video and it's not what you thought it was. Like you always think you're sweeter than you are. Then you look at the video yeah. and you're like, Oh, what do you like? I'm sitting on the back of the seat. Like I'm dropping my elbows. So it's always good to look back and critique that and be able to, you know, just better your form and your position. The best thing is like, especially like 
throwing whips and scrubs, just trying to style. Like I'm really trying to just work on being a stylish dude. I don't have the biggest whips by any means. Like some of these dudes out here, especially they go upside down, but just having nice fluid style and, and trying to look cool and on camera and just be that dude who just flows around the track. Uh, you guys have come a long way in your riding though, like massively, especially medium. Um, uh, it seems Huge. like he takes shit. Like he, it seems like he takes it pretty serious. And like, I respect the way that that fucker will send it. Like he's definitely <laughs> gnarly on a dirt bike. Dude has balls. And that's the biggest thing. You can't teach balls. You can teach skill. Nah, you can bro. teach form. You can't teach balls. And, <laughs> and there's it. sometimes jumps where I'm like, I should be, especially when we go to the hills or jump something new, like I should probably go first just because I'm a little older and I have more experience on the bike. But I'm like, dude, I don't want to get hurt. And he never gets hurt. And he always gets out clean. I'm like, yo, you want to hit that thing? And I'm like analyzing. <laughs> I'll be like, yo, this thing's, you know, this thing's second gear. We'll click third and, and we'll kind of pop it like this. I, I'm thinking about my body position, suspension, and how I'm going to throttle it. He just goes, oh, yeah, I'll hit that thing. He just looks at it real quick. I don't even think the dude thinks what he's doing on the bike or how it's going to react. And he just sends it. <laughs> and he always gets out clean. It's so funny to watch him. And he's a good ass rider. Like, I got to ride hard to, to keep up and, you know, we'll dice it up and keep it pretty close with each other. And I truly don't think he really thinks that I know he's bettering himself, but I don't think he's thinking as much as I am about making himself mm. better. He just gets on the gas hard and just hangs on and it works out for him every time. Dude. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's more than one way to skin a cat, I suppose. But yeah, I just, I don't have <laughs> like, I feel like I'm, I'm more like you. I got to kind of like think my way around the track. Cause I just don't have the fucking balls. Yeah. Especially when you start going in Hills and free riding and seeing stuff, all the track stuff's a little safer. Cause you kind of know how it's groomed and each track is kind of in the same manner, the lip to landing. But like when you go into the Hills and you start looking at peaky stuff or stuff that's like long distance triple digit style stuff there's a lot of factors and a lot of variables and like i don't want to get hurt because i don't want to go to the hospital first off second off i don't have health insurance and third off <laughs> dude if i get hurt and i can't put out youtube videos for people like i'm kind of you know they're they're depending on me to put that out they don't have they don't want me to see me to be the biggest dude do a backflip the ballsiest dude like they're already stoked that i'm that I'm riding the way I am. So if I go get hurt and I can't put out a video for six months, dude, that's 24 videos gone right there. So like, yeah. I feel like I should just, uh, I ride right where I need to be and push it and always try to be better and hit a big jump, get stoked on it. And, uh, just, just little clicking a little bit at a time, nothing too big. There, there is some stuff though that you've done. That's been pretty big, like a couple of those, like the road gaps and stuff. Are you having a, I guess, because that's kind of the danger, right? Is like you've got this huge YouTube channel and you've got this YouTube following and it's like there's the title and the thumbnail that is like make or break. Is there gaps where you've looked at and you like really haven't wanted done, you really don't want to do that shit, but then you're like, fuck, I kind of need this for the video. <laughs> there's been about like, there's probably been three or four jumps in my lifetime that I was like stoked on, like. I could say, sit back and say, yo, I was stoked that I hit that thing. And it's the coolest feeling ever is having that adrenaline rush and being that scared and nervous. And you're like, fuck your balls are in your throat. You're like, I hope I make this thing. <laughs> and when you clear it, it's the best feeling ever. You're so stoked on it. Like 
So when that, that feeling and that rush you get is so worth it. And I think that's what pushes us as riders and just anyone in general is always overcoming a fear and going further. But yeah, there's been a couple recently where I'm like, damn, this thing would be pretty sick. If we got a video, I'm pretty sure people would be hyped on this thing. So we should try. I, I did one the other day. It wasn't that gnarly by any means, but it was just a cool one. It was this steep, steep concrete thing. And we went up and over the fence. I think I got a, I got 53 million on Instagram. I've gotten 40 K off that video this week. Fuck. That is gnarly. Dude. Yeah, so are you getting so, paid on Instagram now as well? You can, I guess you can sign up and get paid on reels. I have other homies who do that. I don't do that necessarily. I have never signed up for that. Cause I, I just, uh, I just try to get it on the back end on merch and stuff and I don't want to run yeah, too yeah. many ads and sometimes if you sign up as a creator on these platforms, I think it docks you like on TikTok and stuff. People that go on from public account to a creator account, they don't want yeah. you to get mad views because then they're going to have to pay you on it now. So I'd yeah, rather just yeah. get more organic views and get people to follow us than try to get little chunks of change here and there to run an advertisement for a couple hundred bucks. So yeah, on Instagram yeah. now, we're not getting paid. Yeah, yeah. I think um, to go back to the the writing stuff real quick, like I think that's definitely what makes. Uh, to, I don't know how to explain, it, but like there's a there's definitely a le- really legit element of staring down the barrel of a jump, like that you have that really gnarly fear, and then pushing your way through that, and then coming out on the other side, especially when there's like the accountability of like doing it on video, and it's like kind of a part of your business in a sense like i definitely just don't take those risks like i mean we're doing this big <laughs> desert race in a couple months and i think that i've got like a pretty big fear of doing this race it's like a it's like our baja 1000 kind of and uh it's like yeah. 250 kilometers up and back and like it's fucking gnarly and i'm scared of it but that's not as, as far yeah. as like yeah, but as far as doing jumps and shit like i just ain't fucking pulling the trigger on nothing that scares me in that sense <laughs> But you don't have to, you know, you've created this, uh, created this thing for yourself and you, you don't have to hit big jumps and you can ride within your comfort zone or push it a little bit here and there and just have fun with it. So that there's a couple times where I like, I've looked at some jumps. I'm like, damn, this thing's got me spooked. But if I clear this thing, like, could it be X amount of views? I would do it. I, that does run through my head. I do it more for myself though, just to like say that yeah. I did it and just, uh, just self glorify myself that I hit a big jump and the more jumps you hit that are big or technical and you put yourself in that position, then when you get to the next one, it's not as hard because you kind of have a mindset on how to approach the jump, how the bike might react. So every time you go bigger, the next one technically gets smaller because you're more comfortable Mm. unless you're talking distance and feet, like it will get bigger but everything's a mindset when it comes to riding. It's all mental. So like it, it feels smaller cause you're like, you, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 That, that definitely makes sense. I think, uh, it was pretty sick to watch medium, uh, like training for arena cross and, and stuff like that. Uh, is it, is it cool to kind of be a part of his, uh, cause you're both like kind of a part of each other's progression in a way, but I guess he's like, sort yeah. of 
going in more of like a racing direction and he's sort of pushing himself in in that way like is it pretty dope to kind of be a part of like watching your homie really have a crack at all that sort of stuff because it's no joke man it's super cool it's super cool because he was always like growing up he was kind of a sketchy rider he's known for crashing he just he hangs it out and gets squirrely so to see how far he's come and how much he's progressed and how good he is at riding it's pretty cool and supercross is no joke people I th- that's the hardest discipline in my opinion when you're down on a supercross track and you see how peaky everything is and how low it is it, it's uh it's super gnarly but like when you're up in the stands it it's doesn't do justice even in the uh, we're on the little practice tracks they're not even as gnarly as the stuff that you see in the stadium so like coming out of a corner and three and out of a corner in my opinion is way harder than going out and jumping 120 feet like because the lips and landings are so long and they're so forgiving you could there's the factors aren't there supercross is just to the t man it's 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 yeah. so you got to be on your shit and you want to have stiff shit too like he has a little arena cross setting it's it's not stiff enough and so to see him when he starts charging big stuff and he's on a little bike he's on lights bike too i'm like oh shit dude how do you feel i'm like i think it's this way he's like no i'm, I'm just gonna pin it and hope it works i've seen him case some shit too but yeah, it's cool, super cool to watch him watch him uh, progress as a rider and just the way he's he was he was a little boy forever. A lot of people don't know that he branded himself pretty well as a little boy for like five or six years. That was his Instagram handle. He was a filmer as well, and then he became medium boy and he couldn't afford a bike, so we just shared a bike. That first bike I bought, we would share it and we tag team it, and then I bought another one. And we did that forever, and he finally got his own, and so he developed into a rider as well too. So it's cool the journey of two homies coming up together just living a dream and having a passion following it yeah is that um is that something that you were pretty cognizant of early that you like almost needed somebody else in the mix like it it, it'd be hard to do if it was like just you um or is it just like naturally kind of how it worked out because i know like with the podcast whenever i do stuff i'm i'm always trying to include my friends in it uh and then i guess sam has kind of become like shout out to sam actually uh sam's become like kind of my main dude that i that i do stuff with but to me i felt like early on i was like dude i need somebody else like i i don't i don't want to just do this by myself it'd feel weird it wouldn't feel like super genuine and then it's sort of because it's a weird thing in like in this game where when it starts to be successful in a sense like you start to get a lot of stuff like you start you know people want to start helping you you start it's like people are giving you a lot and it it always felt like real weird to me to like just take all of that shit for me in a way so it's like as soon as you've got people that you can share stuff with it i don't know it felt way more comfortable to me in that sense yeah I totally understand what you're saying it's so cool having a homie there and you guys are you're building something together you're coming up together it's something you can share together it's it's super cool I never felt that that was necessary what you saw is so natural and organic we were best homies day to day and we just did it so when we started YouTube he was already hanging with me and riding with me every day I was like yo let's do this together I wish we would have known what it was going to become because back then if we were filming you know for the first five six years of our lives we would really have some kick-ass content and some big-ass crashes but uh yeah it just came supernatural he was just there I mean I'm literally hung out with that dude pretty much every single day of my life and uh 
he's pretty, he's my little brother and we've been through a lot, a lot together. A lot of stuff that you've seen some crazy stuff on video. There's even crazier stuff that's not on video and, uh, <laughs> we've just experienced a lot. So it's super cool that we're able to do this and it's worked out where he's, he can stay with me and he makes money on merch on his end. So he's able to do it. And, uh, I think we could do this together and, I think it's the direction he wants to go to. He he graduated college with a business degree. I don't think he's ever going to use it unless it's building really? our own brand, but he made it. He went all the way through school, so congrats to him. Shout out for doing it. I don't know how he did it. I didn't really see him do the work, but I think he just had chicks on the back end that he would just like pay to do his homework. <laughs> oh, fucking Lord. <laughs> yeah, he's the man. He's He's classic, man. He's so fucking funny. Oh, I fucking love that dude. Eh? What? How does he always like? Why is he getting arrested so much? Like, is he just a little fucking? Is he just one of those dudes? It's just like a terror on the piss, or what? It's just wrong time, wrong place, and he's drunk, and he's just uh, <laughs> he, he just doesn't know when to cool it, which most people do. I'll be like, "Yo, dude, you gotta cool it." Like I'm telling you, I've seen how this stuff plays out too many times. I don't want to see you go down that road. And for the most part, it's worked out. The first time he got arrested, it was he used a fake ID. And he got arrested at 10.30 at night, and his birthday was at 12, the ne- so two oh. hours. So a fake ID. Then he tries to run. Everyone said he ran for camera. He would have done it whether I was there or not. He, he's just, he's drunk. He's going to run. That's his deal. He thinks he's going to get away. And then the couple other little arrests he has kind of seemed unfair in my eyes. All he was doing is taking Snapchats, but he gets thrown down on the ground and Cops out here, they're so brutal. They'll do whatever they want anyways. But uh, I think now that he's experienced this and he's just younger and just, I think he'll, I think that's probably his last time getting arrested. He'll, he'll stay out of the slammer and and realize (laughs) you don't got to do that shit. But it's been funny for us. Good ass content. I've spent a lot of money on bail money too. (laughs) How much does it cost? Because I don't want to, I think his last one was, uh, Dude, his last one was like three grand probably. And then all his lawyer fees and shit too. So like, but I'm not going to leave him sitting there, you know, in the cell. Like he probably learned his lesson enough. And fortunately we're in a position where we can do it. And then he makes little bail shirts. Like he made, he made two for his first arrest. He made one, a little mugshot tee. And then his second one, he made one too. And literally every dime from those sales has gone straight to lawyers, to his lawyer fees. <laughs> So it's pretty it, fucking dude. funny. Yeah. <laughs> There's it's something classic. about Old We've Town, had some dude, good eh? ass times. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. It, that place will get you. And just in general, especially like we just did our fair share party and I don't really do it as much anymore, promote it just because I treat Instagram more like a business. But dude, we partied our asses off for a long time there, a long ass time. And then when COVID hit and we had our own house, everyone wants to come to our house and go over there. So there's just a, there's a lot of partying involved, a lot of nights watching the sun come up and a lot of drunk, drunk memories. <laughs> Dude, I remember the first ever time I went to Old Town, I, uh, I'd like just come from Australia and, uh, I was like there with this chick and then this guy was sort of like, I went to piss and then this guy, uh, was sort of just there like hassling this chick and then anyway, he, he like sort of mouthed off at me. And I just fucking just smacked the dude. Just like halfway through a sentence, like his first sentence talking to me. I was like, 
fuck this guy. I'm not dealing with this shit. So I just That's smack classic. this dude, right? Old mate just fucking bang, falls like, falls across the bar. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there's like fucking six dudes. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Luckily, the security guard, I can't remember like what club it was. but uh, Or like, it wasn't club, it was like a bar. But uh, yeah, there's like bars. security guards uh, seen it and he seen like the dude was being a dick and he saw uh, him like hassling the chick. So he was kind of like cool with me, luckily. And uh, so he's like come in straight away. I've got like these five dudes staring at me. I was like, fuck, this sucks. This is like my third night in America. I'm about to get arrested. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so he, he, he like ushers me out the back of this place because uh, there was like already cops out the front. He like puts me in a cab. So I was like, fuck, okay, I guess you can't really get away with that shit in America like you can in Australia. Like, if that was in Australia, everyone would just be like... <laughs> just like just hyped on it. Like, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> and That's there, crazy, like, yeah. You guys are loose out there. You guys are so loose when it comes like, your whole program from the way you guys act, bar scene, chicks, everything. When you guys come over here and we see it, the personality you guys bring and the shit we hear you guys do, it's crazy to me. I'm like, holy shit, these guys get away with that stuff? Yeah, I was just, well, this is just a saying over here, talk shit, get hit. He was just halfway through talking shit. I was just like, bro, we ain't fucking doing this, man. I'm too tired. And then, yeah, That's I was like, cool I that you shut out. him down. Oh, I found out quick, though, that that was not the move. But the chick was stoked. So we left and fucking, we kept the party going after that. She was like, perfect. Oh. Yeah, perfect for you. You beat the dude up and you got the chick. You look like the hero. And you're from Oz. You've only been here for 72 hours. Like, you really set the tone for her there. She's like, dude, this dude's fucking no joke. This dude's legit. Oh, <laughs> uh, but then I, that was like, that was like pretty much like the last fight I ever wanted to get in. There was like, there was, I think the only other time, dude, you know where else is crazy for fucking fights is Huntington beach. Yeah, the, dude. It's funny you say that. Cause the last fight I was in was at Huntington beach. That place. People just want to throw down. I don't get what the fuck it is about that place. It's uh, I think they're just a little more hostile up there. Their their dads are kind of surf dudes, and they're entitled. They're probably still on their parents' card, you know. They've gotten everything their way. They've never got smacked around too much. But yeah, Huntington is super fucking hostile. And the last time I went to a bar up there, I, this was like two months ago. Yeah, I got in a fight, six v one. It was over a chick too. It's always over chicks. This dude wanted to fight me over a chick. I kind of went up, said some shit. He, th he throws me one, all of his boys get on me, and then Meads comes through out of nowhere and just starts dropping haymakers on these fools. <laughs> kind of like gets, I get up, I got a bloody lip, and then, uh, yeah, dude, it was fun. Yeah, that place goes crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we I used to live there. That was like one of the places. I ended up moving from Temecula. I was like dating this chick. And then, uh, and actually this was, yeah, I lived there, but the fight we got in was my, I was dating a chick that, I met in Temecula and her parents lived in Huntington and uh and so we used to go out there all the time and then we went out one night and I was with like an Aussie dude and Aussie guys back then kind of had like way different haircuts to uh I think it's more normal now those kind of haircuts but uh one of my boys Ash had like kind of the full Justin Bieber sort of haircut that just wasn't the wasn't the Huntington vibe so I've like gone yeah, to the yeah. toilet run it and this dude I don't know why it's just like a pet peeve but when people like you're in a like a bathroom at a bar and dudes want to say sorry like you're just crossing them like there's no there's nothing to say sorry about and these dudes are just they've over the top apologized to you 
I'm just like, all right, man, whatever. Like, we're good. Kind of probably rubbed this dude the wrong way, like, by not accepting his weird apology. And uh, so, anyway, I've gone for a piss, run into this guy. And then, and then I've, so I've, like, kind of brushed him pretty hard. And then I get outside, back to the place, and uh, the same dude was, like, giving my boy shit about his haircut. So then I was, like, my chick had this, like, fucking idiot sister. So I was already pissed off at the idiot sister. So then it just, like, <laughs> turned into this thing. And so, like, some blows get thrown. And uh, then it was the same deal. It was, like, all the fucking guys. And then this time the security guard wasn't cool with me. So then the security guard throws me out the front. We end up going to this other bar. And I was, like, fired up. And uh, I get up this top of the stairs. And then this dude does the same thing, like, the whole sorry deal. And I was, like, already just, like, fuck this night. And uh, so then I, yeah, like, almost... pissed off. Yeah, I almost, like, went at this guy. And then I saw he had, like, these big cauliflower ears. And I was, like, apology accepted, bro. <laughs> We're fucking good here. <laughs> <laughs> I want no dramas, man. But, yeah, dude, every time That's I classic. would go out to Huntington, I was just, like, this is a fucking... There's some weird vibes that go down in this place. That's go to every. I try to stay out of there just for that reason. Once you've been in that scene enough, you're you're over it. You get yourself into trouble. But yeah, dudes always want to fight in Huntington. I don't know what it is. They're just they're hostile and they're entitled. Most of the time, it's over pussy. You yeah. end up getting the chick anyways. So who cares if you won or lost? You still won at the end of the night. Dude, <laughs> yeah, 100%. dudes be throwing down all the time. I always try to avoid it too, just because like I see the bigger scheme of things and like unless someone's super disrespecting you or your homie. A lot of the time it's drunk talk and you could just brush it off. Be like, whatever, dude. Because you, you don't want to get in trouble out here and get locked up on a on a violence charge for a bar fight. Like, it, it just looks yeah. bad on your record and there's no point. But, yeah, if, most of the time you got to let the other dude throw first. It sucks because you got to eat one. <laughs> if you can just eat one, then it's game on. Because then if there's witnesses or video or anything and you tell your story, you, it's you're, that's self-defense at that point. So eat one and then you're ready to go. Dude, were you uh, were you ever around for the riots at the U.S. Open at Huntington Beach? Speaking of like crazy U.S. Uh, Open uh, Huntington shit. No, I seen all that shit when it was unfolding, but I wasn't up there for it. But that that was pretty wild to watch all that shit go down. Yeah, crazy. dude, I live I lived there then, and I, we lived like in uh, like uh, kind of back, maybe like two miles from the beach. And yeah, I was just like. Everyone was kind of freaking out about the whole rights thing. I was like, bro, this makes sense. This place fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that thing, it's going to, you just have a, such a diverse, you got, you know, from the kids to the scum to like rich <laughs> yeah. people. It's, it's just a very diverse community. And like, uh, they don't like people coming in there. Huntington, super local, locals only type vibe, very territorial and hostile in that way. And I'm, sure you you recognize each person at the bar so when you get a new face in the crowd that's not something they take lightly to so everyone and once everyone gets a drink in them everyone's the man you know they got a drink you can fight anyone so that's just funny did you did you find that once you started getting bigger that people started like trying to fuck with you though yeah heavy and and especially in Temecula area a lot of time 99 percent of the time people are super stoked to see you and meet you and they're just stoked that you're going to say what up to them. But yeah, people try to fight like, like, yo, you think you're sweet? I'm like, nah, I never even said that one time. Like yeah. if, you're, if you, if you took the time to say what up to me, I would have let you know in the case that I would give you the time of day and decency. And then, yeah, especially in bars, people always are chirping and they want to start saying some shit. And I've been in altercations like that from dudes straight up 
talking shit and saying like, you know, they're, they're not fans of you at all. They're actually pissed about it. And, uh, especially when it comes to Hills riding, it's super territorial out here. Like the Beaumont, the Retchy, the Hills scene, it's, it's like a, it's a scene and they say who's mm. allowed to and who's not allowed to ride when in reality it's probably illegal for all of us to be there anyways. Yeah. But, uh, I'll post a little video on Instagram. You know, I went out there, shovel, did my deal, post a little video and they just get pissed that, you know, they don't have that following or that same exposure that, that you have. And they get hostile dude, free ride dudes. They always want to fight. They just, they come at you hard, but you, dude, you always get someone negative in the comments and then, they go so hard on the Instagram, then you see them in real life, and they don't do anything about it. They don't back up one thing they just said on the keyboard, and I kind of just brush that off. We got too many big things going, but yeah, the bigger you go, the more people are going to come for you for sure. Yeah, because I mean, there was definitely a period of time where like everyone was into the whole like buttery beef thing, you know? Like it just seemed like that was a that was like a I almost like a phase that you kind of had to go through where it was like uh you were coming up and then like everyone was either pissed that you were on the way up the way that you were or they were trying to like have some kind of beef with you to like i guess i well nowadays the term is called clout chasing uh but it's like it seemed like there was a real phase of your come up or career that was just like had that whole kind of vibe going on for sure yeah it was like a trend to like hate on me or diss what i was doing which i understand if you didn't know who i was it would maybe look like i'm this sweet ass dude who who thought i was cool or whatever but just meeting people and friends of friends talking and doing podcasts like this because i'm sure there's people that have developed you know an opinion about me well now they're watching this now and now they're thinking twice on it it's just uh showing people that you're actually a genuine dude and like to hang out with people and just you're here for the sport you're here to help people just fortunate that we're able to have followers I guess and I'm not sweeter than any other dude man we're all the same we're just having fun and ripping dirt bikes and slamming beers yeah I think that's um I think that's probably like the thing that like if you take your shit on face value then it would seem real bro and you know like uh get a clue and you know like the kind of because you build like really dude like what you do is you just build fucking fantastic memes like the get a clue (laughs) thing is a meme you know medium with the the coke and the soda pop like the you know not the fresh paint like you you are a genius of building memes and i think that if you just look at like the meme side of your brand then that is probably where people get that vibe from is because it's so like over the top like cali bro in your face but that's like what it's meant to be like in australia we'd call it like taking the piss and uh (laughs) you know so it's like but that's like a part of the character but then if you really watch all your videos like inside of that character there's just like a fucking super super nice dude like you can see it in the way that you talk to you know like random strangers that want to come up and watch a video or like watch you guys film and you're like you're always like man i appreciate you have a great day like there is a super nice dude at the at the core of it once you kind of get past like the meme the meme side of it yeah like you said face value just the way you see it from just what you get it looks like i'm just this cooped out dude yelling at other people just thinking i'm way sweeter than i really am but uh i just 
people were they love that. I try not to do it anymore just I'm older, but the get a clue thing was huge. Like I get so many requests like get a clue merch, get a clue this, all that and it, it took off for me. I really that was the what happened is I seen a car crash. That was the first thing that came to my mind. It's like, <laughs> yo, this dude's a clueless driver. Get a clue and then it stuck on Snapchat and all these kids request it. Now I kind of stepped away just I'm older and you change, but people just that stuff still sticks around with them and that's uh something them and their homies I'm sure yelling and it's uh yeah what if you if you get to know me I just same dude just appreciative of everyone and just fortunate to be in this position and just it's a it's a cool ass cool ass ride that I'm enjoying so I'm not trying to fuck it up by being some dude that I'm not and some douchebag like I'm super thankful to be here oh yeah and I think it does come across it just takes like people actually watching like a full video you know um and you know they'll kind of see the exact vibe because there is a sense where like you do have to build a character and i mean even like for me i try and be myself the whole time as much as possible and actually like i don't i think that when you put out this much content like every podcast is three hours and there's two at your episode 211 and then there's like all the seasons of supercross companion so it's like you can't fake a person for that long so like i feel like hopefully no. people understand that it's like okay well that's this is probably what he's like if there's seven eight hundred hours of content but i mean there is like a certain sense of a caricature that you kind of play and i mean especially I'd say when I'm watching Supercross races with Sammy and we're like doing the Supercross companion, then there is like a, you're watching it as like a sports fan, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's me and I'm watching it, but I'm like hamming it up for the boys. Like we're just all kind of carrying on and we're all playing our, our own funny sort of role. But I guess that's not so much as for the cameras as it is for like you're around your boys and you're just talking shit. So, I mean, I'm sure with you, there is a sense of like, you're playing buttery as a character and there's like, maybe that's, you know, a few percent more than your normal personality or whatever. So that's like always something that I guess you've kind of got to navigate as a creator, right? For sure. A hundred percent. You hit it right on the mark. Like you build a character and this personality and people expect that. And you just, that's what they gravitate towards. You know, that's what people want to be around someone who's just saying funny stuff, always putting themselves out there, being that type of dude. It just, you, you draw that camaraderie and people want to hang out and it, it elevates you a little bit where you can separate yourself from people, but just being a character and being a funny dude and people love, that's why, uh, that's why Jet Lawrence does so well. Everyone loves, not only is he a good writer, but it's like, you know, the things he's saying on the podium, he's not a robot. He's just saying exactly how he feels. He's having fun with it, connecting with his fans and that it's, it's gravitating so many more people towards him opposed to a, an interview that's more dry. Just thank your sponsors, do your deal and walk off. People love surrounding themselves with characters and uh, people with a good personality. They feel like they can connect and connect with someone like that for sure. Did you like uh, to speak on that character? Like, do you think much about like the buttery character or is it just so natural that you just can kind of like dip in and out of that, of that, per, <clears throat> of that person in a sense. Pretty natural. It's, it's, it's super natural on the fly. I just, uh, the only thing is like, I'm kind of Cali bro. Like I'm pretty laid back like this type of dude, almost yeah. like a stoner vibe, 
but in front of cameras and stuff, I always put on in front of fans. I'm like, I put on a little more, just a little more spice on it. Cause like, just so. you, you want to have that good high energy. You got to have high energy. People want to be around people like that. So, but it's not like I'm playing it out. Like, you know, that's really, it's supernatural. It's just how I feel They they get me hyped. The stoke is real. We, we feed off each other. So I keep it pretty, pretty stoked out, but sometimes I'm just chilling and someone meets you and you're not on the stoke that they thought they were going to see. They're like, Oh, I thought you were going to be different. I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm just chilling. But yeah, for the most part, it's supernatural. We don't got to play out anything. We just, uh, just have fun with it and try to keep high energy and good personality. That was kind of like my next thing was it's sort of weird in a sense when you meet people uh, and then they like expect a certain level from you. But then you're like, oh, man, like, no, I'm, I'm not filming, you know, like we're not I'm not like in that kind of vibe. Like I'm just kind of chilling. I mean, Sam says that to people all the time that when they would like talk to him about me. Sam's like, dude, he's the most fucking boring person you've ever met. Like, that he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't do anything. And then, like, people meet you, and I mean, fuck, like, I get people that come up to me, and they're like, legit, just go like straight podcast vibes. Like, what do you think about this and this? And I'm just like, I don't fucking, I don't know, dude. Like, I'm probably yeah. stoned and fucking chilling right now. Like, <laughs> I don't know, if, I don't know if I've got the capacity to have that That's conversation. Funny. Yeah, they expect you to be a certain way all the time, especially since we put the fan interactions in our vlogs so much. Like, so I, I hit all the su- not all of them, but I hit I think eight or nine rounds of Supercross this year, and we strictly yeah. do that just to connect with fans and meet with them and throw them a high five and hopes that you know that that leaves in a good impression on them and they're just thankful that we took our time to do that, just like we're thankful that they support us. So I always try to vlog everyone and put everyone in the video that I can. I can't get everyone to it because then the video would be kind of boring and I can't do my deal. But I, they expect you to be a certain way because I've seen it so many times and you've you yeah. kind of groomed them to be this way. And so that, yeah. that's how they expect to see it. So, like, I always take an accountability for that. And I tell Eli, too, because he'll go full just stone vibe and yeah. just chill i'm like yo dude put some pep in your step like we got to get hyped these kids are about to get hyped to see us like let's get hyped to see them right now and uh for the most part every oh everyone's so hyped i just can't believe how massive the fan thing has gotten we did signings this year dude there's probably <clears throat> i get 300 posters each time and they're gone in 30 minutes and our deal normally goes wow. for like two hours so it just shows you how many people are there and uh you can't walk anywhere without taking a photo saying what up to someone it's uh and i'm super fortunate for it. it's cool the part that bums me out is if i'm trying to get somewhere and i'm trying to tell someone like yo yeah. i gotta go do this they don't want to they don't want to hear that or and I, i'm not the type of no dude so like i'll stick it out for people but yeah it's been crazy man it's it's uh from the second you get in the parking lot till the second you go home someone wants a photo and they want a high five dude it, and it's crazy too like america kind of just like has that culture like america's a super appreciative of well i guess like when you think about it man like um, america is where celebrity was invented like that's the place that, yeah, that yeah. celebrity came from and like in australia man it's just like it's not like that eh? like people uh it's yeah i don't know not the same vibe unless you're like a fucking but dude even then like you go to Byron Bay and it's like you see Chris Hemsworth and people are just like oh that's cool 
it's Chris Hemsworth and but nothing like the dude's just sitting there chilling but in America like there's there's such an affinity or like such a culture um around celebrity that that I just don't think it exists in the in the rest of the world in the same way yeah that's I haven't traveled all so that's all new to me I don't even have my passport but uh yeah, the cultural thing's different, especially like Oz to US. I can imagine like the different, even when I go state to state, just to see how people interact and the way they treat you and hang out with you, just even from the West Coast to the East Coast is a whole nother deal. And when you go to these Midwest countries, these back countries, it's a whole different vibe. And it's uh, it's super cool to be able to travel and see, you know, this aspects of life and the way people live and the way they're going to treat you and they perceive you too. And the it's in the populated areas where like there are influencers around. People are more fans, I guess, and they really swarm yeah. you. But dudes who just like in the back, like Louisiana, I go to Louisiana. Dudes are just like yeah. super subtle, like yo, what up? Like shake your hand and walk off type vibes. Just stoked to see you, dude. Actually, that fucking reminded me. I was gonna ask you off air, but I might as well just talk about it with you now. I was gonna ask if you had a passport. We're doing the, this race in June that you and Medium should yeah. definitely come and do. Would you travel to Oz to do a race? Yeah, I'm down. We can always talk about going to Oz and talk about doing shit, and he pushes for it heavy. June, I'm bro. just so lazy to get my passport. I got to get that thing. Dude, What June, is it? It's like a Supercross do- or a moto race or something? Moto race, dude. It's like the most remote motocross race in Australia. It's in Perth or like two hours south of Perth. It's the fucking sickest track in Australia. And uh, it's like a cool, big sort of like invite race that they do every year. Me and Sammy, we did it last year. I can't remember what, I think it was like three and a half thousand miles each way we drove to do the race. Like it's fucking out there, bro. And uh, it's called Manjum no Up, but it's like, dude, it is so Yeah, yeah, so okay, Manjum Up, I've heard of that. Dude, Hill did it. Yeah, Hill did. Yeah, That's so, right. Hill did. I've had a couple homies do that. Yes, dude. Like Bryce Valley's done it. Like there's been there's been a ton of different I think AJ Cat has done it. Like there's been so many yeah, guys Pike that have did gone. It. Yep, yep. They did a donations, dude. So we're we're full going again this year, doing the whole like we're documenting the whole thing. I was thinking about last night, I was like, I wonder if Buttery actually has a fucking passport. You guys should definitely do that. I bet I could get some like help for your flights and stuff. Yeah, if we could expedite like a passport and try to get that shit situation figured out, it'd be super cool. Cause I'd love to get out there and like mediums unit and fist guy all the way. So I think it'd be big for them too Bro. to like have him out there. He little unit is like just up the road from us. Like we're in the same town pretty much. Yeah, that's sick. He's those dudes are so supportive of his program. They're on his deal, so it's it'd be cool. And he loves it. It'd be cool just to get out there, new culture, new tracks, see you guys, say what up new chicks i always see on the explore page the chicks are always super hot out there bro perth too is fucking ripping every time i'm on the explore page of my shit and i click into a chick she's from fucking perth so it's it's definitely a good time (laughs) out there and dude this place in manji it's just like the perfect place for growing mushrooms too so there's just mushrooms everywhere (laughs) so after party last year i would have never thought that dude last year i fucked up i had like mushrooms after racing for two days 
and I like went to the after party and just got like cornered by people <laughs> and I spent the whole time <laughs> in this after party with like my fucking back my back against the wall with like a wall of people around me but yeah it's a fucking it's a fun race dude it's, it's one of the funnest it's well I mean it's so hard for us to get there and we're doing it again like it's just that that cool there's a the start straight yeah. fifth gear wide open just like full speed tucking down this sandy star straight it's Just pretty tucked sick. out that's cool yeah if you say it's that legit i mean you guys do it again it's got to be a good experience i've only heard good things about it too everyone who does it seems super stoked to always get there so if i can get this passport in time dude and i get a bike i'll ride Wait. anything dude I'll, I'll ride whatever google how long it takes right now to get a u.s passport from scratch i bet you can do it it's in like two yeah. months. There's like ways to expedite them. If you just pay like a little bit, I, I think you can get them within a few weeks or something. And then they'll do like a merch drop, like a Manji, like a Manji Mart buttery merch drop. Like get five to seven weeks if you expedite it. You got time. Yeah, so we got time. Yeah. So right after this podcast, just go take my little photo and try to get this thing. Dude, we like think about the content that you guys could get. That's some that's some vlogs for that's like a couple good vlogs right there. Have you ever you so you've never oh, been be overseas? Insane. No, never. Only third world country I've been to is Mexico. Bro. Can't, then come to this third world country. <laughs> you guys are crazy over there. It's sick. I'm so, I'm, I'm like nervous to get over there cuz you guys go so hard like I'm going to have to take 20 shoeies when I get off the plane. Dude, yes, Manji Mart podium shoeys, like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling it. I think, I think we need to make this happen, dude. Are you? So, Maybe like, what's cool been the reason? What's been the reason you've never got your passport? Because sure, like, obviously the US is like your biggest country, but do you dive into the analytics to see what other countries you're big in? Yeah, Canada's huge, but Oz is second for sure. Oz is huge. I do, dude. I ship so many orders to Oz. It's insane. I need to get like a just a DC out there to fulfill so you guys don't have to pay as much in shipping because the Oz thing well, is huge for me out there. You should get Sam to do that. Yeah, I should just ship bulk out there and have him fulfill on his end and see if we could just make it easier for people because like customs and shipping and shit, people are always like, yo, you charge us too much. I'm like, dude, I don't really charge that. That's what the post office is going to charge me to get it there. It's like yeah. that's the rates they've come up with. Well, dude, Sam, Sam's just got like all his own printing stuff now. So you could literally just get it like all printed and shipped and fulfilled from Sam. That'd be sick. That's something I want to talk to him possibly about doing and just have, have him do it out there because it'd make it so much easier and accessible and we could get more orders going and just build the Oz yeah. fan base too. Yeah, dude. Hey, this has been a productive business meeting, this podcast. We've come up with some good ideas. Yeah, this one's been good, huh? Hell yeah, we got a bunch <laughs> of ideas. Hopefully no one steals them yet. We just got to capitalize on them before someone else takes them. <laughs> I know, we just got to get that warehouse dialed in by like 25 KTM electric 50s. <laughs> we <laughs> drop a cool million on one of the ideas. Have you uh, have yeah. you got any of the, like any other bucket list kind of stuff that you want to do when it comes to like you being on your dirt bike? I mean, I have like little things jumps and like things that I would like to go hit and knock off. Like I really thought it'd be cool to race a supercross or that's too far gone. Um, maybe if I put my head down and trained hard for a year, I could possibly qualify for an outdoor. Um, it'd be, be cool, cool just to do one professional race just to like solidify it. I'm far off from that right now. I'd really have to like put my head down and put 
effort on and off the bike but uh it'd be cool to do something like that for sure but nothing nothing do bucket list i just want to just better myself and progress and just be the best rider that i can and throw big whips and hit big jumps i feel like when you uh at least for me anyway like anytime i kind of attach a like an event or a race or something like that to it like that kind of is the thing that sort of makes me progress because i'm like fuck i actually need to (laughs) i need to figure my shit out right now and get and and get better and you know like we got this manjimup race and then the desert race man imagine i i I wonder if you could still get you might not be able to get into fink but dude fink is crazy so like we're doing we're doing manji and then the which is in wa and then uh the very next weekend so we leave monday morning after manji and then we fly to northern territory which is like the dead center of australia and then we're like my dad's driving our desert bikes out there and then we're going out and we're gonna do this desert race but like dude this fucking desert race there's forty thousand people that camp on the side of this track it is that thing is huge then it is out of control like i'll send you some clips of this this race but yeah man it's like the gnarliest fucking race in australia so yeah it's like those things they're the they're the kind of things that like really make me kind of push myself in that sense you know and then especially you add in the fact that you're like filming content there so you don't want to look like a total kook but it's like (laughs) i don't know they're they're the things that kind of like make make me grow in that sense you know no that's cool for sure and then you have a goal and you get to race out of the deal it's a cool trip cool experience content like everything you said you're hitting do you get to ride a lot or how often do you ride only once a week if i'm lucky oh yeah so it's cool for you to just get on the bike it's hard for you to get on the bike and race just not having enough seat time because even if you're going hard in jujitsu you're still not using the muscles and like breathing the same yeah. way you are as on moto like you gotta ride every day to feel that type of uh that fitness but that's cool that you're even getting together and like doing this thing again it's fucking sweet that you're able to pull it off dude speaking of riding sam just doesn't ride at all like i just don't know how the <laughs> fuck i don't know how the, i actually don't know how he's gonna do this manji and fink thing like this year like at least for <laughs> like he just had covid so, so he hasn't been able to ride or like we don't have bikes ready like we don't have nothing so i don't know how the fuck he's gonna make it happen it's just if you get one day or just one day on the bike just before you get out there just to get your feet wet otherwise like you haven't ridden in a while and you come out it's like a fish out of water man dude that's the thing i respect so much about him though like he just runs it like if he signs up for it he will do it and he'll just get out there no matter he just doesn't give a fuck how much prep he's had nothing like he's the king of just going out there and running what he brung his program's loose that's cool as hell yeah he's he's a super nice he came out to my place he, he came to my house one time when he was out here yeah he's always been a huge buttery advocate yeah he's super cool i love that dude all your whole crew's cool uh, as fuck yeah no nah, we're pretty lucky in that sense how many times do you ride like what so what's a week in the life of buttery look like these days we try to ride three times a week three times is a good one four is a great one normally two but we always try to do it at least at least three times a week for sure and we try to get on that each track's open a certain day so we'll schedule you know like a Cahia creek wednesday apollo friday try to ride something urban or like free ride on a weekend base and just try to ride as much as possible and uh 
just I got to cut down on the partying. I've done a lot of partying and lately just a couple drinks here and there. And then so I get hung over. So I don't want to ride the next day. And Medium's all bummed. He's like, yo, I thought we were riding. I'm like, bro, I'm old. This hangover hits. I'll go watch you ride. But yeah, we try to uh, break up the drinking days and the riding days and just take advantage. I'm like, dude, we're only young once and we should ride as much as we can possibly. Like, why not? Let's get the hour meter racked up and ride this thing till the wheels come off. So three days a week would be a good week. I've done four days in a row recently, so it's been good. How, um, how old are you now? I'm 27, so I'll be 28 when I come to management. <laughs> Fuck yeah, birthday party. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's do it Aussie style down under. Oh, that's so sick. Yeah, I mean, well, fuck, I, yeah, the I, I don't do the drinking thing anymore. The hangovers are just too brutal. It's just too much. But I definitely, I, I loved the party scene while I was in California. Like, there's just, people in California definitely do know how to party. There's a, there's definitely, like, a culture around it. I don't know what the scene's like these days. I'm sure the buttery party scene's pretty dope. <laughs> They're pretty fun. It's just, uh... No one has a job, but everyone has money. I'm trying to figure out how they pulled off, whether it's stimulus or their parents are probably floating their bill, whatever the case. And they want to drink Monday through Sunday. Like any day that ends in why they're going to drink and they're going to make up a reason as why you should drink. So like, and I had the house too. So like we were having mad house parties all the time. Everyone's coming over doing that whole deal. And there's always something to do. And someone wants to get a drink somewhere and the chicks out here hot they're always down to drink and having a following kind of helps a little bit as well i'm sure hey i I don't doubt it what's the what's the places now because you're in encinitas so like what's the spots if you're not doing the house party thing uh we try to go to shelter we do shelter sometimes that you're probably familiar shelter saloon and first street all in that little bar right there in encinitas yeah yeah yeah. shelter was around when you're there maybe i don't know but uh, I, i know first street yeah, yeah. So that's like the divey one. Like normally the divey ones are cooler. Everyone tries to go to the yeah. nicer ones, but once you've done that experience, it's cooler to go divey unless you're going to buy a table and be the man. It's not really worth it. And then obviously Temecula always cracks off Old Town Suite and then uh, Pacific Beach in San Diego. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. most bars per square mile in our state. So that place is really. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I used to go. I used to go down to PB with uh, with like Ben Hargis and Ryan Penhall and that that whole crew. Yeah, that was because I didn't really know. Uh, I didn't really know any of the places, but that's sort of pretty much where I ended up whenever I was partying <laughs> with those guys. Yeah, those dudes knew how to party for sure. They were a little ahead of my time, but I've seen them around at a couple spots. Those dudes definitely. You probably showed you the ropes. You guys probably had some good ass times out here. Yeah, definitely, dude. So the one thing actually I, was, I wanted to mention as well before, and I think it's something that's pretty dope that you've done that like to talk about not doing what other YouTubers did. You never really have like balled out of control, it seems like. Because I mean, I know that I know that you would be making good money uh, and I don't think that there should be any reason to, I guess, like play that fact down in a sense. Like, you know, it's like you're just doing well which is great you should be doing well um but you've never as you've kind of risen it just hasn't seemed like you've ever really wanted to be the guy that flexed or made like the money become like a part of it because you mentioned like steve will do it and you know like nelk boys and shit it's like their whole vibe has been like 
buying fucking Rolexes for each other and like spending all this cash and cars and all this kind of shit. Um, So I don't know. Is that like a conscious decision that that you made where you like didn't want to be that guy or I don't know, like as you started getting more money, you just, you stayed the same dude. I've just tried to stay the same, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. People always say that and that's true. You can just find your own happiness. And, uh, I just don't want to portray that and put that out there. Cause you don't need that to go do the things where you don't need to be a, a millionaire mm. to go ride dirt bikes with your buddies. All you need to do is put gas in the thing and put the helmet on and you're good. So there's really no reason for me to go spend lavishly or show that I've ever made money in that sense. Cause then it seems all that stuff they do, it's a goal, but it's almost, it seems unreachable cause it's hard to get mm. to that level of success. So if you can just, you know, you can pay your bills, you got a roof over your head, you eat food and you put gas in your bike. I mean, that's all you really need. And all I ever wanted was a sprinter. That was like, dude, I was like, dude, if I could buy a sprinter, <laughs> that's all I need. That's me balling out. That's my flex right there. So I bought a sprinter and it's done everything I needed to do. And, uh, I spend quite a bit of money just living life day to day basis, just gas, food, travel, like it all kind of goes back into creating content and road trips and stuff for us. And then I try to invest it too. Cause with him, inflation everything dude money's going by quick it's like quicksand out here so i've a a majority of my money that i've have made i've put it away i've actually invested a ton of it what uh when you do your investments like what sort of stuff are you looking at as investments so i have a financial advisor homie who's pretty much showed me the ropes through business how to run a business it's called hemlock hat co it's like a straw hat with a print under the brim he showed me everything and he he always tells me where to put my money. And so he has a homie out in San Antonio, Texas, who's really good in real estate out there. So we bought like a 3000 square foot building out there. It's got 1500 below is, uh, just storefront. And then the businesses work on top. So we own that rent that thing out. I got a, uh, 48 unit apartment complex. And then also a alcohol company just came out it's a local one and this dude's produced well and he builds these massive brands, sells them out and he's done it two or three times. He's actually out of Encinitas. It's right there. It's called Ashland hard seltzer. So I'm oh, like yeah. uh, on the forefront of Ashland hard seltzer and we're pushing for that thing and just hoping for the best. It's like, once you have money, you got to make it work for you. You got to diversify it. Otherwise cash sitting there doesn't really do too much for you. Otherwise you'll look at the figure in your account and want to go spend it on something lame. So yeah. Just try to make it work for us. Does that does that shit excite you? Like, I mean, because you are starting to like you'll you'll be thirty in a few years, you know. So it's like I feel like uh, there's something weird that happens to you at thirty, at least at least for me and like a couple of my friends. Like it was a similar sort of deal. Like I pretty much like fucked around until I was like twenty nine. And I was like, ah, oh, damn, I'm I'm gonna be thirty. <laughs> I'm gonna be fucking thirty soon. Uh, but does that something that like it does excite you? Is like you making some cash and then being able to invest it and then like seeing the returns because in the same way that we said that youtube is like that numbers game and it sort of does feel fun and like a game i think like business and money kind of can be the same in a sense yeah it's super cool it's just a new chapter of life too and and realizing that money can make you money and it's just uh it's almost a plan b it's a fallback because like you can't youtube forever so if I ever want to buy a sweet house or just have my bills paid for and not have to just be, it's financial freedom, just not have to worry about it. 
that's the biggest thing for me. And I, I didn't really come from much money and I, I didn't have much. So now that I have it, I've already kind of developed that mindset where I don't have to have it to just be able to do my Mm. deal. So, uh, it's just been cool learning new aspects of business and stuff like that. Cause before I would never really branch out to stuff like that. And now that I've realized like what you could do with it. And I think it's super cool. I think, uh, it's all going to be a learning game. And as I get older, I'll look back and be glad that I made, you know, made the position, made, did the things that I wanted to do with that money and make it work for me and put myself in a good position. I think it's super respectable the way that you, um, the way that you think about your content and not like to, to say that, you know, you don't need a lot of money to live this lifestyle and it's just, you got to have a truck and you got to have a dirt bike and you got to pay your parlor entry fee and then gas up your bike. I think that that's such a dope message to send as a guy that's in your position. Um, because it's definitely like, I guess that, it comes down to more like maybe the ego side of things. Like it would feel good for your ego to like always have the freshest shit and always have dope shit and, you know, be balling out on certain things. Um, but I mean, that is kind of like the dark side of the internet in a sense is that you can start to portray this life that is super unrealistic and super unattainable for the average person. And it's like, the reality is that like, even hard work's not going to get certain people out of their situation. Like certain people are just fucked. Like if they, you grow up in Alaska, you know, and you've got like, you've got no money and you do ice fishing to get your meals through the winter. And most of the time you're just like locked in and you know, like, so there's, there's to a certain level where it's like, not everyone will be able to get out of their situation with hard work. And, and if you, you know you you can kind of fall into the trap or like people on the internet do fall into the trap of just portraying this like completely unrealistic lifestyle and and it does fuck with people you know like uh so i yeah i I don't know i think it's cool that you've kind of had that perspective that it's like hey this is a lifestyle that we live and you just don't need money to do it in that way yeah hell yeah exactly and that's like everyone there's only so much you can take advantage of an opportunity like you said some some people are always going to work for other people. They're going to be employees. They're not going to be their own bosses. And it's hard to get out of that. But as long as you're paying your bills and you're able to do everything, like it's cool to have the flashy shit. I'm sure people want Tesla's mansions, Rolexes, like that shit seems cool and all. I would like it too, but it's like, it, it, that's not what brings you the happiness. Just having fun with your buddies and making memories is way cooler. And it doesn't take that much money to do that. And uh, as long as you can just live that life and have that mindset and that perspective, I mean, dude, the world's yours. What were we talking about when um, that shit clipped out? Like money and shit? I think so, yeah. It's a fact that money side of things and everything. You're the only dude that, on or off camera, you're the only dude that really knows that, like, I make money because we're in the same business. So you can, like, kind of see it. Like, yeah people out here don't know that no one really knows that really nah no one has an idea and I don't if they ask me I'll tell them straight up but no one everyone thinks that I had rich parents and they're like still kind of floating my bill or I came for money or like whatever the case like yeah and they just think we're just squeaking by especially like some of the chicks and stuff they're like oh just you know another face in the crowd and this dude's just like the Instagram thing it's not a 
that they're more they're used to it. It doesn't seem like as big of a deal as is because we spend so much time together and hang out. Yeah, it, and I'm so normal around them and everyone that I just seem like another dude who just like post dumb or crazy videos. So yeah, no one really really knows what's going on. But that's cool if they want to. I don't got to tell them otherwise. Yeah, well, I mean, dude, I just. It, yeah, I just think you fly under the radar in so many ways. Like, I don't, I don't know that people take you as seriously as what they should, in a sense. But it's like, is that even a bad thing, in a way? You know, it's like, fuck. It's probably a, it's probably a good thing to just like fly under the radar and I guess not have that like attention on you. But I mean, yeah, like I know what you're doing from the numbers, and I know the, you know, like the merch stuff that you'd be doing is is fucking crazy and like dude you deserve it man like honestly you fucking deserve everything that you've got like because yeah i do know where you come from Hell like yeah, it's fucking as <laughs> a it's a crazy come up that you've had and it's all been like your own work hell yeah thank you dude i appreciate it. i'm just like i said super fortunate everyone always has a story or a background where they've come from and the next person always had it worse than you had it but uh it definitely, it wasn't handed to me at all. And I, I worked super hard to get here. I even lived in my truck for a while and then I just got a gym membership and that's how I would take showers, just pay $10 a month. And I would shower there, sleep in my truck and then go work construction. And like, like I said, someone always has it worse. Someone's listening right now, has it worse than that. But that's just, uh, that fueled my fire and my passion to keep doing this. And like, sometimes if you you hear rappers and everyone says that you come from the bottom to go to the top. It just uh, creates more of a drive and like you, you want it so much bad, so much worse. And then you, when you earn it, you're super stoked and it feels uh, fulfilling and rewardful. Have you, um, have you ever like wanted to ball out though? Like, has there been a party that that's like really wanted to just go like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like I'm going to go buy some cool shit and I'm going to, or, or like, did you? And then it was just off Hell camera yes. and then you figured out that it just like, wasn't what you expected <clears throat> all the time. Every day I want to buy cool ass shit all the time, especially cars. I was never a car guy, mm. but like chicks dig cars and like people base your success, like on what you drive mm. and like the, the Tesla model X the one with the butterfly door. Yeah. Like I just picture myself rolling in that thing on autopilot with the doors up and like, I wouldn't treat it any different. Like, dude, I'd buy that thing off the lot. We'd jump it over the little LA jump. I'd probably have the doors open so we could actually catch more air and then like put that thing on autopilot, just like pile of chicks in there, put a Joe hauler on the back, put my bike on it. I wouldn't treat it any different. I would just use it for content, but to go drop 120 grand on a car like that, or to go invest that 120 and, you know, have a kickback later on in life. That's the stuff you got to think about. So, and I don't want people to, uh, think I'm cool if I have money or nice things. I'd rather just want them to chill and take me for the person that I am and the way I treated them. So I, every time I think about going in a position like that, I just take a step back and I'm like, nah, I got my dirt bike, got my van cool yeah dude i mean i i fucking respect it like it'd be a it'd be a hard that'd be a hard internal conversation to have and like and actually come up on the side like nah i ain't gonna buy a tesla (laughs) (laughs) yeah but we'll we'll be uh it'd be cool to do it but we could do that when i'm 30 you know then when there's not dirt bikes and shit and then everything's uh more affordable then because our money worked for us but it's just everything's 
a mindset and you're totally uh, who you surround yourself mm. with and the people that you're around and what you're hearing. Like if you're in LA, like for a week or so, like that would seem cool. Then you could go back and just chill with your homies and be like, bro, we got each other. We're just having fun. Let's ride dirt bikes. We don't need none of that stuff. And I like, I've kind of listened to like Hanson's really good with it. Cause Hanson mm. dropped mad money, dude. Hanson had Lamborghinis. Dude, he's, he had everything. He, and then, you know, now he just drives his little spray painted truck around to get to the track and he, he's done it all. So he, he always advises against making purchases like that and really thinking about it. Hill's another dude too. Hill made good money in his time and, you know, he earned it. He, he rode, he rode well and he just drives his little truck too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, Hanson is like. He's probably one of the wisest dudes in the game at this point. Like, he has seen and done it all. I'm sure he is probably a guy that would be super useful being in your position. Because, I mean, obviously he wouldn't have, like, the kind of internet fame um, that that you've got. But, I mean, I'm sure, like, he'd be a guy that's in terms of, like, a big homie. Uh, I'm sure you guys have had some, like, legitimate conversations. And he's actually... I could see him steering him uh, steering you away from making some shit decisions. Yeah, for sure. He's got super good insight. And like you said, he's seen it all. He's seen like, he's seen how this sport has developed from the early stages till now, from the riders to the training, to the every aspect from the money, the chicks, the industry, like that dude's probably the most knowledgeable dude when it comes to that. Cause he's been in it the longest and he's seen the lows, the highs, he's seen all the come ups, everything. It's all and the the social media thing to him, he's like he kind of trips out on. It. He's like he's like, dude, you, people will just watch YouTube's and stuff because he he just bases his whole deal off being an insane talented rider, riding well and letting his riding and racing speak for himself. So the internet thing, I'll tell him some stuff and he trips on. It. He's like, dude, what? I'm not even gonna learn. I'm too old. I'm just gonna chill. So I put him in some vlogs and stuff, and people will come up and. Cause he's got new fans now because of that. Cause he's so mm. old school. Like some of these new kids, they never watch Hanson race. That's too far. You know, that that's too yeah. far gone for them. I showed, I showed medium the other day who he was from back in the day. I was like, yo, you realize this dude was racing when you were five years old. Right. And he tripped out. He didn't even know that. And I really? showed him all these old videos and like kind of how he bounced from team from Yamaha of Troy. And then, his whole KTM deal and his pro circuit deal. And it was all brand new to Eli. He just knew Hanson for the dude who was there and how he perceived himself. And he hung out with us and was a cool, nice dude. And he never knew any of that on the back end. He learned that last week and we've been chilling with this dude pretty strong for like three years. That is crazy to me, dude. Like you go, Hey Eli, yeah, this dude got paid millions and millions of dollars to race a fucking dirt bike in the lights class. Like this, this was one of the first dudes that like, this guy changed the game. He had no idea, no idea who he was. He just thought he was a dude that was sick on a bike and just rode. Fuck. And man, the most style. I don't know that there's anybody else that has the style of Josh Hansen still to this day. Like no one's doing that. Like the, the nose dips, like Hansen's still so sweet. He just rides it such a certain way. And just like he, it's his, his technique and form. There's no one that looks like him out on the track. He's just uh super fluid. Doesn't look like he's working too hard with it. 
So it's pretty cool to watch him ride and hear what he has to say. Dude, that would be a buttery edit that I would like to see. If you want to talk about like a high production buttery edit, I think that you should make like a high production Hanson video. I'd love to, but it's hard to get the dude motivated because he'd be like, nah, dude, I'm not trying to act like I'm sweet. I'm, I don't want to be sweet. And then he'd be like, he'd turn it down for some reason. He's like, nah, the camera's on. I'm not riding. Dude, and he's, but- like, it took a while to get him to talk again and ride again on camera. Because he'd be like, nah, dude, I'm not doing, I don't want to be like sweet guy. That's fucking crazy to me because there is so many people that would just absolutely die to see that guy ride properly. Like it doesn't, it does not get I'd much better to. than Hanson, dude. Uh, what, what but like I said, I worked with Hill. I've, I've worked with a lot of cool ass dudes, but I did a lot of stuff with Hill. Hill and I have been boys, uh. Dude, I met Hill when I was 15 years old, so it was right when he did the backflip crash and hurt his leg, Yeah, and, and uh, just started walking. It was the first time I met Hill, and he brought me in, was super cool and supportive, and uh, we've been filming and just hanging out. I've lived on and off with him for a long time, and we've had some good, good times, good memories, good road trips, and it's cool being able to film some of the things that I've done, because he goes so big. Like He's not afraid to go huge, man. He'll jump anything. He'll ride any bike. Yeah, he he's an animal and like one of the nicest people. Like he's one of the fan favorites on the podcast for sure. I think he's got, um, I think he's got like a crazy like media future too in the sport. Like his for his sure, take yeah. and perspectives. And he has a lot of insight. And he like he he looks into the back end of things and analytics, and he could have a he could steer the sport in in the proper direction. He's super involved always hands-on with his videos from the filming the editing and just the way things are delivered and pitched but he worked for monster you know as a team manager and doing stuff so like he's a he's a smart dude when it comes to pretty much all aspects of how a brand should be in a sport or a athlete should be involved and what people want to see and what's going to create sales yeah do you um do you ever think about like a the industry involvement in your stuff because it seems like the 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 industry is pretty like hands-off when it comes to you or like people aren't super involved like o'neill has supported you for a while but has there been a lot of industry support for your shit or has it always just been something you haven't really bothered with they were cool at first like when i was filming back in the day doing little stuff for monster and just doing stuff here and there everyone was super supportive and then over the past few years, it's kind of seemed to fade away. I don't know if I just haven't kept those connections or just people are doing other things, but yeah, O'Neill's super supportive. All my sponsors like that on my end are super supportive. Uh, Don Maeda over at Swap, he always helps me, but dude, industry is not really, uh, they're not that supportive of our whole deal at all. I don't think anyone really sees what we're doing. I still... I buy tickets at Supercross full price. I bring my monster can. I get my hand stamp. And then uh, I had a wristband this year for Hill as a mechanics pass. And I went down there to be his mechanic. And the fell dude told me that I look like a guy who shouldn't be down there. So they kicked me off the floor. And uh, I, I don't really get any love from anyone. And I do all the shootouts. Like I've done, I did a shootout yesterday, the 2022 Factory Editions. That's my fourth shootout. I always try to like, talk to the guys and see if I could get a brand deal or get some bikes to help. I know that's a whole nother deal because the Jap thing's weird on the, on the corporate side, but 
yeah not really not much love from the industry at all actually yeah except for my sponsors who help me so who are the sponsors that help you out like just to give them the love now biggest is o'neill by far o'neill o'neill dude they do me they're the best coolest ever o'neill super cool showy's good to me scott's always good to me uh yoshimura that's the biggest plug ever because dude pipes are expensive and those pipes noticeably make your bike better like i'm not even pitching that on sales because we're on a video right now like <laughs> dude that thing makes your bike bark so good and uh hemlock catco like i said he showed me showed me the ropes on how to run a business and just showed me everything as always super supportive and then uh just a few other little people alpine stars fix it up here and there and evs just people get me parts it's always cool to get some cool parts on your bike or make sure your gear is looking good but no nothing really too big honestly o'neill's like been in my corner the hardest for sure that's sick yeah pat from o'neill such a g he's the man i love that dude he's the one that like plugged me when i lost my deal he's the one that plugged me with those dudes and got everything together for me so pat pat did it for me and then don Maeda mentioned my name too had a couple dudes in my corner but yeah pat's the man it's uh it is crazy to me that like i guess the industry doesn't want to jump on board with the stuff that you're doing more um just because of the reach man like i know that um like views is one thing but then like reach is crazy like when you go into the analytics on youtube so i think we're, we we get like our reach every month is like 150 million is like ours so i mean yours would be fucking psycho dude <laughs> to know like the amount of times crazy. like your th your shit is getting shown to people and yeah that just it it does seem crazy like i guess again it's just like you're underrated you know it's crazy that you noticed that too because i think that is the whole deal like in the fans eyes where these huge people and and we do these things and have this following and able to do this stuff but we we fly pretty low under the radar as far as like where we should be or what people would think of us or if we're prioritized we're very low low on the totem pole of like being someone who's a priority at all yo should we get this guy it's like dude i went in a suite in seattle supercross last weekend this dude had, that was my first time ever really ever I was tripping. I'm like, dude, you guys do it this good up here? There's like drinks and food and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Normally I'm in the nosebleeds. Dudes are fighting, smoking, and chicks are pulling their tits out. Like this was crazy <laughs> to me. Uh, but I mean, I guess like uh, there's this there's sort of one thing to be said about like being the guy that's always in the nosebleeds, you know, like that is such a part of, you know, the the vibe like even hill was talking about that the other day he's like man you go up to wherever like buttery's sitting it's like the most like dead part of the stadium but then as soon as buttery's there it's just like fucking loaded with people it's crazy and everyone kind of they either word of mouth know where you're sitting or they see a instagram story if you post one that's what i i try not to do that if i post an instagram story during the race then everyone knows where you're sitting and they'll all come and then there's a line that goes up the stairs and they want yeah. autographs and you can't watch the race. So we always try to like keep it kind of low profile in that way, but people figured out and dude, everyone's all, everyone comes from every section. They bring you beers. They're going so gnarly. Chicks are going, there's fights, beers are thrown everywhere. It's insane. And I don't even promote that yeah. or provoke that at all. I, I don't know if they do that cause they see me and they think I'm that type of dude, but 
I'm just like a newscast guy. I just hold my phone up and just get yeah. a shot of whatever's happened. I'm not telling no one to do nothing. They're just wanting to do it on their own. But I mean, you always seem to get that shit. Like even the Sexton crash, it's it's like you're like mid story on Instagram, or whatever. <laughs> then you get the fucking gnarliest crash of the season. That was the first clip I got in Seattle. I went from the parking lot, walked in the stadium, turned my phone on. That was the first thing I saw. And I'm right there in the section too. Like it couldn't be any better. It was insane. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I don't know. Blessed. Maybe you just blessed. You just got that world. Yeah. The world provides for me for sure. A lot of content has been provided for me. I don't have to really create anything. <laughs> ah, fuck, that's such a trip to think about, man. But yeah, it's like you, you know, you start again. It's like you start living the sweet life, and then you're not around for that content, and you're not around to get the clips, and then maybe the video doesn't pop off as good. So I don't know. Maybe it's just like how it needs to be. Because I think about that too, man. Like I, I sort of get, I sort of get frustrated, like. Dude, I had like fucking 30 plus people DM me directly last year and say they bought a KTM 350 because I'm always just jerking off over 350s. And then it's just like, you just don't, you just don't really see anything off the back of that. It's like damn near half a million dollars worth of motorcycles. And you're like, God damn it, dude. Like I haven't made that much money ever. (laughs) Not even a thank you or nothing. Not even a free bike. Not even a Christmas card. Give me, send me a, send me an orange Christmas card. That's because I always pick the KTM for the shootouts last three years in a row. And I'm always like kind of joking like, yo, Roger, could you hit me back with an email? And I say that in my vlogs on my (laughs) podcast. I see that dude around. Like he probably, he might know who I am. Maybe he doesn't, but he don't say nothing to me. Oh dude, that shit's so fucking funny. So, uh, one, one question I got asked a lot is the axle beef. I don't know if you've ever gone into it on a podcast. I don't know if you've ever spoke about it. But at one point, I feel like you guys definitely were on like a very, like you could kind of couldn't have, you couldn't have buttery now without Axel. And you probably couldn't have Axel now without buttery. And then at some point it split. Have you ever spoke about it? Yeah, I did it on, I did it on every other podcast, but I, they, they all got clipped just because we kind of talked about it on the back end and just like uh, it ended up making it. And, uh, cause I just, the only thing that happened is like, we came up together, we we're doing our own deal and it was like a collaborative thing. And then he had monster in his corner, his dad, his brother, like he just had a lot of big stuff going. And I guess he just felt that he needed to separate from what, 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 what we had going. And, uh, it worked out because he did his own deal. You know, he's the man. He rides dirt bikes. Everyone looks up to that dude. And I kind of paved my own way. Otherwise, I might have been a filmer for a long time and yeah. just like kind of always rode his coattails, possibly. But yeah, we had a cool thing going for a while. But we just, uh, I guess, it's just a falling out and a lot of different people speaking on his behalf and telling him what he should do. And he just decided to go a different route. And we both just went different routes. Yeah, so there's no, like, I guess there's no, because I feel like that's one thing that people just fucking love is the, I mean, people just love the beef thing in general. Like, I couldn't believe the traction that the, like, the buttery AJ thing got, dude. Like, I I don't even really remember how that come up, like, in that podcast. Maybe AJ brought it up himself, but I just wasn't really like across yeah. the whole beef thing but people fucking love that 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 was like a really good video for me was when he started talking about that 
so like <laughs> people just love the yeah. the idea of you know that whole kind of like beef thing especially on the internet people love it and that's like why the ufc is so big you know they create mm. these beasts before the fights for prelims and the cells and people just love it because it's the stuff you want to know that you don't ever hear about and the yeah the cat i met him the other day at san diego supercross after that one that you had done with him he was a cool dude he was super nice apologized i was like yo dude i got nothing against you like <laughs> you're i'm cool with you like you know it was so long ago too we just had a laugh about it and everything just at the time and place just the the way he had said it, it just came off pretty gnarly, and I just put it on my page. And dude, he got eaten up bad. He, his chick got eaten up. They both all turned off their comments, dude. The dude got roasted by like top dudes too. And I didn't go at him to destroy his whole deal. That wasn't really my goal. I just wanted people to know that, you know, what was going on and just the perspective of it. I didn't think it was going to be like that. So, kind of felt bad that he got like that roasted on it. But I don't got a problem with that, dude. And, like, now that I'm older, too, like, people that I ever had problems with, like, uh, I was, I even forget who I, if I have an issue with you, I'll yeah. probably say what up and throw you a high five because, like, everything's going so good in my life. And I, vice versa to you, I hope you're doing well. I would never hope that someone that I don't like isn't doing well in life. Like, so it's always cool to cross paths again and just say what up. But, yeah, he was a cool dude. But people love the beef stuff, man. Beef's Beef's the biggest thing on the internet, man. Oh, it's crazy. Like, I felt the same when I did, like, that pulp video. And, uh, and like, because he said his shit. And, like, to me, like, the way that I saw that whole deal was, like, he just threw me a layup. Like, all I had to do was just, like, jump. Yeah, right? <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, this is fucking easy for me now. Like, he made a stupid point that didn't really make sense. It was really easy to tear it apart. And then I knew people would like it. But I had the video that we posted, fuck, he got chewed up heavy. And it was just the same deal where, like, people were just, like, blasting him. It's like, it's a weird thing where it's almost like you give people permission to let out all of their own frustrations on on somebody else (laughs) and it was just like and they just take advantage they see that thing and they eat it oh there was probably all these people that have just like hated on pulp for so fucking long and just like never really had an opportunity to express that and then as soon as there was something that came along that like gave people a green light to be like all right you can fucking hate on this dude everyone just ran with it so heavy but i mean the thing is like it was good it was good (laughs) for both of us like it's not a you know it really it's not like a uh a negative thing in the end as long as you can kind of like take the take the heat which like obviously he can and uh yeah yeah i mean even for aj like there was probably so many people that had never fucking heard of aj catanzaro that heard of him because of you and then now like dude he's killing it right now with his business yeah he kills it people probably don't know that i see what he's doing that dude probably makes a killing he has jets and come out all those dudes helping him but he's a dude he means well for the sport he's a good good dude good rider he's teaching other dudes how to ride and be safe it's cool it's a cool gig that he's got going and uh I'm glad I was able to pass over. I'm sure that public apology on your deal helped him a little bit. People still flame him. Dude, I get like almost a DM a week still about that dude. <laughs> Comments like, you're way better than cats. But little do they know he's better than me. But if you guys want to believe that, that's cool. But it's pretty funny to see how that 
how that whole thing played out. Uh, are you gonna do the video, uh, like a video with him of like him like doing some technique stuff with you? Yeah, he talked about it. I'm down. I don't know how often he's out like in my area in SoCal and stuff. But if we were to ever cross paths or something, like I'm super down to do a video because it'd be good. Like you said, it'd be good for both of us. It'd be funny. We could even have some beef in it or something. But yeah, I'd definitely do a video with him. He's he's he seems like an all right dude. I met him for there for a minute. He was cool. He was nice to me. And if you're nice to me, I'll be nice back to you. Yeah, no, I could, I can vouch for AJ. He's a fucking super nice dude. I talked to him a bunch actually. He's a he's a cool dude too in like the sense that he's really about being a creator and he's really about like i guess the business side of of this so it's i mean you'd know like there's just not that many people that that you can talk to about like our line of work you know um that kind of have a similar similar sort of deal um so yeah i i I mean i want to tune into that video i want to watch i want to watch aj give uh give buttery some tips It'd be pretty funny. It'd be a good video. Well, I dude, when that thumbnail came out in the morning, it was on my homepage, and it's like me standing from the Lamborghini, yeah. and like it has AJ Cats right there, and I'm like, dude, I was weirded because I was like, I, that was like four years ago or something, and I was like, I woke up hungover. I'm like, dude, am I seeing shit? Or does this say like this was posted an hour? Ago? <laughs> and I watched that thing. It was pretty funny. It was it was a good interview, yeah, and uh, he was cool, yeah. Dude, that's so fucking funny. I could uh, I could see the Axel thing being more about the people that was around him than Axel himself, though. Because, I mean, the times, like, I, I haven't spent that much time with Axel, but we went to uh, Geneva Supercross when Hill did it. And Axel was, like, still, yeah. he was, like, underage. Like, he was probably, like, 17 or 18. And then he flew out to Geneva as hills mechanic and uh i'd seen him on your videos like that's kind of the only way i knew who he was and uh and he was the fucking nicest kid ever like the coolest nicest guy and then i remember when the whole like when people were talking about you guys falling out or whatever and like just knowing knowing ash and then ph and that like there's just people around him and it's like you don't just have act like this is not a dig at anyone but you don't just have axel you have like axel plus 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 and then you know with him getting bigger yeah, with yeah. monster and then he's like a whole brand within himself so i think i guess yeah when i saw the whole you know like axel buttery beef like, i kind of assumed it was more about the people that were around him than like you and him directly one-to-one i could be wrong yeah yeah, that's like, I mean, that's how I took it. We didn't really talk much after that or whatever the case. We kind of just, like I said, both went our own ways. And I just know how uh, his family is and people at Monster in general and how what they want to see out of him. So if he had to go down that route and do that deal, it worked out good for him. And now he's the man on, on dirt bikes. And uh, then, we, you know, I was able to make my own deal too and it ended up working out. Was there like a like a one moment that, it was that like where everything kind of split with you guys or was it just like a you just it just stopped like whatever he's had going on just stopped happening no no there's no moment no he was just uh he was riding a bunch and i was working construction a bunch at the time too and kind of just faded away over time just not no communication not really filming much together anymore and and uh he just took it to the next level monster stepped in and really got his program going and ended up ended up working out for him so it was cool it was a cool deal 
So that so the whole beef is like kind of overblown in a way. I mean, I I just don't really know that what really went down. Like, I just made an Instagram post about something that that said, you know, no longer we were like filming together because so many I got so many questions about it, mm. and I just made a little Instagram post saying like, yo, just want to let people know like this is the case because we were kind of. It was him and I. We were the main dudes filming, you know. We were doing our deal together the whole time, like. So people expected that. So I just put out a little Instagram post saying, like, "Yo, I'm no longer working with him. He's gonna do his own deal, and I just did my own deal." And then people see anything on the internet that mm. they take it and run with it. So. Yeah. All right. So that might. Yeah. But yeah, it ended up working, and that we ended up going different paths, and like. I probably would have been a filmer for a lot longer too, which I was cool. If the filming thing's cool, I'm going to put buttery films in my name. I've had it forever. I'll always rock that because I am technically filming a lot, but I just enjoy riding. So it's just cool now that I'm in a position where I can ride more and film when I want to, too. Just best of both worlds. Dude, it probably like worked out better. Yeah. Everything, I mean, everything happens for a reason in life, you know? I'm not like this big dude who's like, all into that stuff but like for to each their own like if you just put out good energy and it comes back to you and everything happens for a reason you just look back on it and now we're in this position we're able to ride and make videos do podcasts with you so i think uh all the cards fell into place here and it's all worked out for us so far dude so that that sets up another big buttery edit the return of buttery and axel <laughs> <laughs> that would do numbers pull out the big guns again I reckon that would do big numbers. We were iPhone back then too. Yeah, it was it was funny because we were iPhone back then on Instagram too. We were like the first dudes like we pushed iPhone heavy. Like we had real cameras. Yeah. But iPhone people are just they're they're so receptive to see the iPhone clips, and it's so easy to just knock out a little iPhone edit and do it on your phone and upload it. Now, like you see on the social media platforms like TikTok and stuff, everything's just phone based. Like. That's all the chicks got their little ring lights on like this deal. Just put their phone, <laughs> dance in a bikini, millions of likes, go create a brand, make money. Dude, I was uh, I was talking to a guy the other day. He even thinks that iPhones, uh, like the algorithms and stuff are actually favoring iPhones because like in the metadata of the actual clips themselves, um, it, it actually seems like the iPhone stuff does better. Like he was saying, he actually shoots a podcast, like all his podcast stuff on iPhone. And he's like, man, honestly, the on the it. iPhone stuff, it, it just does better through the algorithm because it's then, it's like the algorithm is assuming that it's like fan content, if that makes sense. I've always said that. It's, it's cool to hear someone else say that because really? I've always said that same thing too, just based off of, watching my that's kind of why I do that and that's just from watching analytics seeing what goes better than other but I've always said that same thing what I always said too is that if you're filming on your phone because they're phone supported apps that means you're on your phone more and it's so they're gonna draw that attention and like when you pull up your phone and you have the camera out that's what everyone's used to seeing is that perspective and that angle because yeah. everyone has a phone in the world and so it's it feels organic. It's what you're used to seeing if you were to film it. And now you're on Instagram on a phone supported app and you just filmed on your phone to put it directly back through their app. You didn't go edit it and bring it back. So I've always said, I think phone stuff goes better. 
I think I think they're onto something for sure. Dude, I honestly had never ever thought of it like that, and I've been making content since two thousand eight, and I'd never <laughs> ever thought about. It. Actually, I want to maybe test some reels. Like, I wonder if there's a way that I could I could like do it or whatever. Because uh, yeah, it makes so much fucking sense. Dude, just from on the data, because I've, you know, I did camera stuff for a long time and phone stuff. So just on my back end, what I could tell you just from stuff that I've studied very closely, iPhone is, dude, it's the go every single time. And the cameras are getting so good now too. And the next one's going to be even gnarlier, but like these phones are so damn good and it's so accessible and so easy. And they, they want to keep you on the app for as long as possible. And they want to keep you on your phone. So everything and you know on the back end when you upload it it'll say if it's a camera or iphone to them over instagram it's mm. not telling us that but they know that mm. yeah man no that's crazy they have to know they, they know everything oh fucking oath they do dude do you um do you see a bunch of they people everything <laughs> do you see a bunch of people uh like trying to do like what you've done like it because it, it seems like what you've done is kind of hard to to replicate um but i mean anytime someone's doing as well as what you're doing and i guess like making it look as easy as what you're doing in a sense too you know like because people would be like oh he doesn't even ride that good like that you know they can take those easy shots and be like if he can do it i can do it but yeah it's like fuck man there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot to overcome for you to get to this point a lot of seat time just getting there and then being able to have the vision for it the creativity being unique what i noticed is instagram when we first started doing instagram edits even jacob can vouch for that like people took that style of edits and then then it went into that type of writing like wheelies nose wheelies bonking all that and they're gonna say axel's the king of that he invented it don't even try to do a nose wheelie because you're gonna be fucking axel <laughs> but it's just being different and being unique and you see people trying to link it up and use the cool music and the cool beats. And like, you can see a little bit of stuff that maybe you implemented in your videos. And I feel like we were pretty much on the forefront of, and then you see people doing it now, like totally trying to mimic that style. Like dudes who are racers are trying to be Instagrammers now because they see, you know, what could come from it and cool to each their own. And like, it's, you know, it's flattering. People might get mad, but someone copies you that just means what you're doing is cool and they back it so i back them if they want to try nah dude 100 percent. well we just pretty much did our three hours brother i uh i'm very appreciative of you coming on i've been wanting to do this one for a long time the people have been wanting uh this one to to happen for a long time so hope people got a bit more of a insight i know you've done a few podcasts and stuff before but maybe there's some new stuff in here that that some hardcore buttery fans might uh might learn Hell yeah, dude. Thank you for having me and thank you for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate you. This is cool and what you've developed and your fan base is pretty cool and we were able to, you know, catch back up, talk and be able to pull this podcast off and hopefully give the viewers something they enjoy listening to and something they like watching. So it was super cool. I'm excited for it. Nah, man, I appreciate it. And, um, and yeah, definitely uh, I'm working on trying to get back out there next year. So hopefully Supercross next year. I'll be back out in in California. I think it's been five years since I've been there, which is fucking crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, so it's wild. Yeah. Hit me up. I got I got rooms at my house. If you want to come chill, you want to do whatever. We got it all. 
Damn, I might be getting a couple of hangovers if that's the case. <laughs> uh, we'll have some fun though if you get back out here and then i'll try to make it i'll get it on this passport deal and see if we can get out there to oz and come hang with you boys dude you have to do it you have to do it and not just this trip like you need to you need to be going around the world bro like you need to be taking you and medium need to be just getting bikes wherever you go and take this shit on the road because fuck you have some crazy fans all over the world you gotta get out and do that shit Yep, I think World Tour. World Tour will be next for us. This year was the U.S. Tour with Supercross, so 2023 World Tour. Nah, I'm stoked, bro. Well, um, well, yeah, thanks so much. I'd say we'll probably drop this in the next next couple of days. I'll shoot you some clips and stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll cool, do it again. Yeah. Hopefully the next one. Next one will be in Manji. We'll probably do a podcast live from uh, from the race. I think we'll, like, run out of bar one night, and we'll all just, like, sit down on some couches and talk some shit. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to get Poto to come do it. I think Ben Townley's going to come do it. So I'm <laughs> trying, to get a, trying to get a pretty solid crew happening for Manji this year. Let's get it. I'm super down. Count me in, man. That'll be super fun. All right, sick, bro. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Hell yes. Thank you. Have a good one.